Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Alrighty then, it's the Oz Network as we are here for the greatest ever anniversary month ever because we are here to celebrate four movies that have anniversaries. One that is particularly significant for two reasons this week when we're recording it and releasing it. It's Jim Carrey anniversary month. Yay, the greatest actor of all time. We love it. We're excited. We've only done, what, two Jim Carrey movies and now we're about to do four. And we're starting off with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, 30th anniversary, literally this week. It was released a couple of days ago. I saw all the posts on social media that it was celebrating the 30th anniversary. And it's a Super Bowl movie. So in a weird way, we're doing a Ah. Super Bowl movie in Super Bowl week. So ticks Without all the Taylor boxes. Swift. That's good. Oh, can we not mention her already? Colin, please, 50 seconds in. She's not turning this show <laughs> into something else as well. Oh, now I feel sick and I was so excited to do this. But I, I am excited to do this. I just really have no idea where to start with the quotes because there's so many good ones. <laughs> and as I said to Colin, there's so much pressure for me to choose a good one. So let's get into it. My name is Ace, Tom Ace. And, hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. Your number's still 911? Alrighty then. And if I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. <laughs> oh, that was going to be my closing line. Maybe I'll still use it. <laughs> uh, my name is Colin, and... Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know what your quote is. It's literally muting you as you do it. So you're oh, screaming. No. <laughs> and I just, I'm sitting here... Uh, all <laughs> oh, right okay i get it now because i literally was muting as you did it and then i know you were literally muting it that we failed you jim i'm sorry but we we started well i just want to say this movie i used to like it's one of these ones where i think you forget how many things you actually quote from it and yeah i think this is going to be at least the next three weeks of movies i I have not seen man on the moon so i can't say i've quoted man on the moon but i quoted this dumb and dumber and the mask so much as a kid and I also particularly want to point out that if you are not an adolescent male, you might not be liking this because I just want to read what it says on Wikipedia about this movie. It received mixed reviews from critics. Carrie's performance led to the film having a cult following among male adolescents. Uh, I feel triggered and offended that it's only us that like this movie, but it's also true because I remember my dad, not a male adolescent when this movie came out, hated it. And I think this is what led to his hatred of Jim Carrey and why I never got to see Jim Carrey movies at the cinemas unless I went with my nan. Um, so he saw this movie at the cinemas. Him and my mum won like a double pass to this. My nan babysit me and my sister and he came back from seeing this movie going, that was so stupid, I don't like it. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, I'm so excited though, Colin, to do this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I had kind of the opposite childhood. Um, I, I knew who Jim Carrey was before this movie came out. I hadn't seen In Living Color. Maybe I'd seen like one episode, but remember it was probably about a year or two before this came out. It was like on summer break and looking for something on TV and my mom's like, oh, there's like this stand-up comedy special here and this guy's really funny. You'll like him, Colin. Maybe thinking juvenile, right? Mm. And uh, I watched this and I thought, this is literally the funniest man I've ever seen in my life. And she must have already had seen In Living Color or something like that because she knew who he was. Uh, and then th this movie came out and I was like so excited for opening weekend, I remember my friend and I going because it was, you know, a little ways before my birthday, like a month and a half before my birthday. But it was basically like, hey, I'll take you to this for your birthday a month and a half early. Uh, so I saw this opening weekend. And then I remember even when uh, it came out on video, uh, showing it to my mom. And there's certain parts of this movie where I'm watching it now, 30 years later. And I'm remembering my mom saying, let's rewind that. Let's rewind that. <laughs> she wanted to see it over and over again. As we know, my mom has a little bit of a juvenile side to her. Well, I'm glad that at least some of our parents were smart because I just, I like, I love my father. Don't get me wrong. But like, I just, I, I just don't know why I have this vivid memory of him coming home from this movie, just going off about it and then never wanting to see a Jim Carrey movie again. And we'll talk about that next week with the mask that that kind of was like, Nan, can we go to a movie? What do you want to see? <laughs> oh, just this movie with this guy in it. Um, and I, I don't remember watching this for the first time because it, probably was one of these ones where like I had to rent it on video and dad wouldn't watch it again because clearly he wouldn't get it out from the store. And I, as a seven-year-old, wouldn't have known who Jim Carrey was. I'd never remember In Love, In Living Colour being shown in Australia. Again, I was probably too young. It probably was. I don't even know if cable was a thing in Australia in the early 90s. I don't think it started. Jerry was. Used to be on our show. Uh, who used to be on our show? Cable. Oh, Cable. Oh, uh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we're failing you still, Jim. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> Not up your caliber. We're failing you, Jim. We're sorry, Jim. Um, but I don't think we had cable in Australia. Shut up. Don't give me a cable joke. <laughs> you threw me with your Taylor Swift mention. We've already, already two shout-outs in one episode. He's got his own podcast. When are we going to get a shout-out? He does. Out? I think he has more listeners than we do. <laughs> what is it with people on that's, this show going to start right. the podcast and get more listeners? <laughs> you know, I got a nice message during the week from somebody talking to me about Survivor Oz and wanting to get access to the episodes. And I'm like, no, you got to pay for it. I'm not that nice anymore. But still, it was nice to hear some kind words about what we used to do on this show and that people remembered it. So thank you for that. Um, anyway, Jim Carrey didn't know who he was. Saw this movie at one point. Absolutely loved it. Again, controversial. I think, I don't know if you agree with me. I do actually like the sequel better, but I still love this movie. And it's, it's kind of one of these ones where maybe I don't watch as much as The Mask or Dumb and Dumber or a lot of other Jim Carrey movies. I mean, I literally rewatched The Cable Guy a couple of weeks ago. I rewatched Bruce Almighty on the plane recently. Uh, and also just want to point out, Jim Carrey making his way through the Friends cast. Uh, he's he, yeah. <laughs> a third of the Friends cast. He does Courtney Cox in this one, Jennifer Anderson and Bruce Almighty, waiting for Lisa Kudrow and him to hook up with Matt LeBlanc and David Schwimmer, Rip Matthew Perry. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, this is just not one of the Jim Carrey ones that I watch the most, but whenever I do, I'm like, I should because this movie is epic. I know it. it you, even you can go a long time without watching a movie like this. And still know it back to front, and I do. Uh, but my history is I watched it at some point. As I might have actually seen When Nature Calls first. I legitimately really? feel I saw When Nature Calls first. I, I just have a vague feeling, and maybe that's why I like it more than this one, because that was the first taste of Ace Ventura I ever got. I, we'll probably talk a little bit about When Nature Calls on the end of this. But I mean, they, it, it was rushed out. It came out very quickly after this. So, 
Yeah, it was like barely a little over a year later. Um, but uh, I mean, it's sort of the opposite with me. And I think we mentioned this, uh, you know, last week that uh, the mask is the one that I definitely didn't watch as much as he does. I probably see man on the moon more than the mask. Uh, and I've still seen the mask enough that I'm, I'm about 40 minutes into it right now. Uh, while we're recording this, I'll be I'll be done it by the time this episode. I say you're over. distracted. <laughs> oh. be ah, he's, he's got uh, a green face. Ah. <laughs> but uh, the mask. It's while I'm watching that, I'm like, oh yeah, and that, and then this happens next, and this happens next. Off the top of my head, I couldn't have told you everything that happened in that movie. Whereas Ace Ventura, I mean, I could quote this thing start to finish before I even started the movie. And you know, Jamie and I watched this the other night, and we're both just like still hysterical, laughing at this, still juvenile enough to get the humor. And then I, I listen to the audio commentary. And as we're listening to the audio commentary, we're just seeing what's happening on screen. And we're still laughing, barely listening to the director. Is as a Tom Shadyac doing it? Is not Jim doing it? He does or? the commentary. Yeah, no Jim Carrey. I actually, Which is funny because the, the commentary, he this is, I guess, right pre-DVD. He's talking about, oh, and all you people who paid all the good money for the laser discs hoping to hear Jim Carrey. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually funny you mentioned Tom Shadyac because... Another one I rewatched recently, I watched Liar Liar. Not, I've, I've watched about three Jim Carrey movies apparently recently in, in the last month or so. And again, they're all movies that are fantastic. And I mean, just looking at his filmography, I always forget, particularly the first few that he did, uh, great start. I know you're not exactly a yeah. fan of one of the first few that he did. But I mean, this was his first movie that he ever did. He did a TV movie called Frankenstein, the College Years. Does that even count? Um, but then he did after this, The Nutty Professor, another movie that I absolutely love. I uh, always loved watching that as a kid. Uh, Liar Liar, which of course just mentioned. I know you don't like Patch Adams, but I like Patch Adams and that's all that matters. Uh, I, just, I read The Disaster Artist and I all about Greg Sestro and his involvement in Patch Adams, which is very, very fascinating. Uh, Dragonfly, I can't say I'm familiar with that, but then Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty, which is not as bad as people say it is. It's, yeah, I, I like it. It's not Bruce Almighty, but it's also, I think when it came out, people were saying this is like the worst movie of all time. It really isn't that bad. Um, I am, can't say I've heard of that, it's a documentary, and Brian Banks, never heard of that one either. But anyway, the point is, his first, like, few, I mean, Patch Adams was a big deal at the time, so, uh, I mean, good yeah. start by Tom Shadyac, and I'd be interested to hear that commentary. Well, what's interesting is, I, I forgot all these other movies that he made, because the weird thing is, especially during the 90s, directors were getting, like, you know, star billing on trailers and stuff like that, and if you had a director, even if it was just from The Man Who Brought You, Ace Ventura... The guy brings you Ace Ventura, and then he follows that up with The Nutty Professor, which I think made even more money than Ace Ventura. Mm. Follows up with Liar Liar, which made even more money than that. Follows up with Patch Adams, which made even more money than the, the previous three that he made. Like, the 90s was his time. If you look at any comedy director, I mean, the Fairley Brothers box office couldn't touch Tom Shadyac's, and yet he's never mentioned, and people don't even realize that he directed half those movies. And the people that he worked with, and I, I think I there was always on the Liar Liar VHS, it was one of these rare ones that had like a little making of at the end of it. Oh, yeah. And um, they always like had sort of Jim Carrey and Tom Shadyac hang, hanging out, and then basically like Jim would say like, hey, like this is why I work with him, because he can get what he needs to out of me. He's good at getting mm -hmm. this out of me. And, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with The Nutty Professor. I mean, Eddie Murphy is fantastic in that film. I mean, obviously, Patch Adams is a little bit more, I guess, darker than a lot of Robin Williams movies, but it's still, you know, able to get some great stuff out of Robin Williams as well. So, I mean, he's, he's very capable of working with these comedic actors. And even you look at Evan Almighty, I mean, Steve Carell was very much at the beginning of his career, which is weird to say because mm -hmm. he's obviously an older man when he starts his career, but not older, he's like in his 40s, but you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is interesting that you don't really hear him talked about that much because I guess 
He was attached to, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry and Natty Professor too, the clumps, which weren't exactly well-received. Um, but I don't know. He wasn't a director. So, yeah, it's interesting. Where is where is Tom? Where is Tom Shadyak? <laughs> he's, he's currently recording a laser disc commentary for I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Bette Midler or Tom Shadyak? <laughs> Tom Shadyak. Correct answer. <laughs> you thought I'd forgotten about that in the last couple of weeks, didn't you? No. I, I, I the didn't. audience has no idea what we're talking about yet. No, no, apparently not. Um, just some of the things I was reading about this movie, though, um, about sort of the pre-production. Is I always thought this was a movie that was deliberately written for Jim Carrey. It wasn't. This was sort of an idea that Tom Shadyak had. Uh, he'd pitched this around. Eventually, it got greenlit. Uh, and originally he approached Rick Moranis to play Ace Ventura, which no disrespect to great Canadian Rick Moranis, uh, but I don't picture Rick Moranis in this role. Um, and then Judd Nelson, Alan Rickman was considered. Like, again, love Alan Rickman, late Alan Rickman, having just watched all the Harry Potter movies. Like, all righty then. Somebody <laughs> stop me. <laughs> like, don't know. Do not. Go in there. <laughs> yes, Satan. Why don't you cry about it? Saddlebags. <laughs> Can't picture it. But having said that, they were then considering changing this to a female character with Whoopi Goldberg. And I just yeah. rewatched Eddie. I mean, Whoopi was the queen of the 90s. I, I weirdly can see Whoopi Goldberg as Ace Ventura pet detective. I don't know why. But then um, Jim Carrey was noticed because of In Living Colour. And and this, I mean, this is obviously his first real starring role. They, they talk about this being his, but he was in other movies. I mean, I, I've talked recently about how I watched Earth Girls Are Easy fairly recently. What? Once Bitten, did you ever see that one? No, it's, I've got, like, I when I went through my absolute Jim Carrey obsession, I got all his movies. So I've got mm-hmm. all, like, his early ones. I've not watched them. But, like, I yeah, Earth Girls Are Easy. You'd think I would like a movie with him, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, and one of the Wayans brothers. It really wasn't that good. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was an odd movie. I wasn't a fan. Um, but, yeah, this one. And But also the, the fun fact, too, that I read about this, uh, which is quite uh, prominent for a couple of weeks away, Lauren Holly was offered the role of Melissa, yeah. uh, ultimately went to Courtney Cox. But uh, Lauren Holly, of course, went on to be the main star in Dumb and Dumber. And him and Jim Carrey, her and Jim Carrey were, I don't know if they were married, but they were definitely together for a long time. They I were, thought they were married. They might have been married. They were a big celebrity couple, at least for a large portion of the 90s. But, I mean... I, I don't. I couldn't picture any of those male actors. But I mean, it would be Goldberg, Ace Ventura. We'd be living in a different world. But I could see it. So uh, I'll actually go a little bit further back because um, Tom Shadyak explains the genesis of this movie even before he came on board. Which it, it, the only actor associated with this is somebody they never approach, but is the only actor I could see this working for. So this script was originally written before Tom Shadyak even came on, and it was written more. It was still a comedy, but it was more like a straight detective comedy. Yeah. And the actor that it was written for was Chevy Chase. So we're yeah. talking probably the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, they never offered a Ch- Chevy Chase when Tom Shadyak came on to do rewrites or whatever, because they said, we can't quite nail what we want this movie to be. Can you have a look at it? He's like, I see this completely differently. And then he pitched to direct this after his Frankenstein <laughs> TV movie, which he he kind of mocks. Um if somebody's knocking on the door upstairs. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> Don't knock my movie. Tom Shadyak. Are you talking about my laser disc guys? Like, <laughs> That's where Tom Shadyak is. Winnipeg. <laughs> Found him. But, <laughs> but uh, when I heard that, I'm like, 
that's the only other guy I could see doing this. Now, it would have been a completely different movie. It wouldn't have been as over the top. But when you see a lot of the dialogue in this, the, the performance, you could see that, in fact, there is a Chevy Chase franchise called Fletch that was, I think, from the 80s that um, mm. was similar to this. It was kind of like a, a detective comedy thing. So I could see Chevy Chase doing this as a completely different type of comedy. Uh, Rick Moranis was the guy that I guess the studio was going after, which, again, would have been completely different. Uh, but uh, it was Tom Shadyac who really pushed for Jim Carrey to do this. Uh, what's really interesting is that uh, when they're in the pre-production for this, uh, Jim Carrey came on and helped him rewrite this movie because most people don't realize Jim Carrey is a credited screenwriter on this movie. So it was Tom Shadyac and Jim Carrey who sat down and said, let's write this for you. Let's figure out how we could take this Chevy Chase-like script and make it a Jim Carrey script. But even then, Jim's Carrey's performance wasn't there. They were a, a couple of days into rehearsals and he, Tom Shadex was basically saying, like, even Jim Carrey knew it wasn't working. Like, there was something with his performance that just was flat. The comedy didn't work and everything. And Tom Shadyac remembered Jim Carrey's stand-up special, which probably one of the stand-up specials I saw, because I, I remember, if you've ever seen a stand-up, he does this, where he'll come out and he introduced himself to the crowd. And how are you fine uh, folks doing tonight? Alrighty then. And yeah. then he just jumps right into it. And he just mentioned that to him. And he says, can you make that your performance? That voice that that impression that whatever it is you do when you introduce your stand-up special that type of character and humor and Jim Carrey's like oh yeah yeah I could do that and that's how this performance kind of came about was just from a single thing from a stand-up special I mean there's other things here you know him talking out of his butt came straight out of Jim Carrey's stand-up special you know uh, so <laughs> him as a screenwriter a lot of it was just let's take what you're doing on your stand-up routine and interpret that as a pet detective just reminds me when he won the I, we probably talked about this when we did the truman show when he won the best dramatic actor and he, <laughs> he accepts his award he's like this is going to make it so hard to talk out of my butt again <laughs> but i mean i guess in a well, way i can't wait till we, we get to that scene there's an incredible behind the scenes story that tom shadyac has it doesn't even involve jim carrey but this is the thing that like I mean, it, it worked because obviously it's set. This is what really put Jim Carrey on the map, this performance, and a lot of people saw it, and we're going to talk about the other two that he did this year. But, like, it also almost hindered him for a while because I guess he got typecast, didn't he? I mean, this yeah. is what people think of Jim Carrey and has always struggled to shake off kind of this notion, which is a good and a bad thing. I mean, someone like myself loves him because this is who he is. But I also, as we talked about in the Truman Show, the guy can act and is one of mm -hmm. these people to me who is just – top 10 actors to have never received at least a best actor nomination, let alone a, a, mm -hmm. an Academy award. Um, but I mean, yeah, like it's, it suits his And I think this is like, in all serious about my dad, this is just, some people just don't like certain actors and their styles. We, we, we see it with anybody. I mean, Adam Sandler's one. I watched a couple of Adam Sandler movies on the plane and I know a lot of people who don't like Adam Sandler and that's fine. Will Ferrell, like Steve Carell, these people who have that same yeah. style of comedy that people just, don't like because they are 99% the same in all their movies. Speaking of Adam Sandler, have you ever seen the movie Funny People? Good movie. Yeah. I finally watched that. It's been a long time since I've been told to watch it and I watched it. I'm like, this is not a bad movie. So, uh, 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 Also, the uh, the other one he made, Spanglish. Like Adam hmm. Sandler doing comedy slash drama. Yeah. I think it's something else. that People always talk about him as a comedy actor or him as a dramatic actor, but it's the in-between stuff that I think he's kind of best at. One person I just want to touch on because I think I'm, I'm probably the most excited to be able to talk about a Friends actor on this show because, again, we, we don't think we've really done anything with a Friends actor in it, if I'm not mistaken, one of the main six at least, uh, Courtney Cox. Now, we talk about 1994 being a big year for Jim Carrey. Now, this movie, of course, came out in February of 1994, Friends came out in September of 1994. Mm. So Courtney Cox was technically an unknown at this point. 
she, I mean, she'd been in things. It wasn't like she was completely not in things. But as most of the Friends actors are, when you watch any Friends documentary or anything, they'd been spluttering around and kind of here, there and everywhere. But I always watch this thinking that like, oh, they cast Courtney Cox because she was in Friends. But no, this was pre-Friends Courtney Cox. Um, I, 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 she's randomly maybe my favorite of all the friends. I love Monica. I, I don't know why. I've just always loved Monica on Friends. But gotta say, pretty good looking in this film. I and mean, that's not all about her. But she's also pretty good. Like people always talk about the Friends movie curse, and I guess mm-hmm. technically this doesn't count because it was pre-Friends. But this is one I feel people need to talk about more because I mean she's great in this movie, Courtney Cox. And I, again, I know you're not a huge Friends fan, but I'm hoping that you're at least on the Cox train in this one. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll say this. When this movie came out, I, again, I knew who Jim Carrey was from stand-up. I knew who Courtney Cox was because uh, my child pre-Home Improvement childhood favorite show when I was much younger was Family Ties with Michael J. Fox. And mm. she played Michael J. Fox's regular girlfriend in, I think, the last two seasons of Family Ties. So when I saw this movie, I'm like, isn't that Michael J. Fox's girlfriend from Family Ties? Uh, you know, she wasn't like, you know, a star-making performance of that and everything. I mean, it's still to put it in perspective, when this comes out, you know, she was kind of recognized from what that Bruce Springsteen music video. Maybe she'd done some family ties. But Tom Shadiak in the commentary says that the studio asked them to hire a name that people would recognize. And Tone Loke was their guy <laughs> who's barely wow, in this babe. movie. Like, boom, boom. <laughs> like, and and I, I, I always forget, like, how insignificant he's in this movie. You could have just inserted him in post-production for, mm. for what small role he has in this. I think they did. But he, he was their star that they had to get to sell this movie with. So... It's not like a lot of people knew. And I, I guess by the time this movie comes out, I'd be interested to know like when the Friends pilot was filmed because I guess January, February is when the, the pilots start getting made. So it is entirely possible that this movie comes out and they're like, oh, that girl from Ace Ventura is kind of funny. Let's cast her in this one role in Friends. She was with Michael Keaton for six years. Did you know that? Before this or after? Uh, between 1989 oh, and, and 1995, she was with Michael Keaton. Uh, yeah, because it was David Arquette after this. Yeah, because she became Courtney Cox Arquette. But yeah, I, I had no clue that she was in a relationship with my good. She was with Batman, so <laughs> and one of the Arquettes, and, <laughs> and and the other actress in this movie almost was in two Batman movies. I don't know if you know about Shang Yun. Shang Yun, her look, uh, history. I don't know a lot about Sean Young. I know her from this film, and I used to, as a kid, was thinking like she legitimately was a man with a name like Sean. Uh, so. <laughs> No, I, I don't know much about Sean Young, sadly. I mean, she's she's probably most famous for the movie Blade Runner with Harrison Ford in the early 80s, which was like her breakthrough movie. But she was originally cast in the first Michael Keaton Batman movie in the role that ended up being Kim, Kim Basinger. But she broke her arm or something like that, either when they just when they started filming right before it. So they had to recast her Kim Basinger. So then when they're making Batman Returns, she so desperately wanted to be Catwoman that she had her own custom... Catwoman oh, suit made. Oh, she the one who showed up to set and filmed, like, I've seen... Is that her? Because I've seen there's, like, it, a really infamous uh, audition tape of some actress dressed as Catwoman. They wanted I think to it probably would be her, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because no, that's sort that. of, like, her... It's funny that even though she had Blade Runner and Ace Ventura and all these other things, what she seems to be most well-known for nowadays is the woman who pushed so hard to be Catwoman and they cast Michelle Pfeiffer instead. <laughs> uh, but she's weird. Like, you read her Wikipedia page, I don't know. It's hard to get a read on her. I mean... She she apparently uh, th- there was a lawsuit where James Woods sued her for stalking him and his girlfriend. It was dismissed or something like that. But then there was another thing where she showed up to the Academy Awards without an invite and slapped a security guard. Uh, <laughs> she was hired to direct a movie and then fired a few days into it because they were she was caught on video. Her and her son stealing laptops from the production office. 
like it, bizarre stories behind this one, which I'm not going to say whether it's, they're all real or fabricated or whatever it is, but like, I, they're not fabricated, but like how much truth there is. She is a weird woman. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you miss a very key shot in a big championship game and you're in a, in a mental <laughs> exactly. institution for a long time. You just you... If the laces were in, none of this would have happened to Shang Yun. One of the, uh, uh, we'll get into this movie, but like just in terms of like the cultness around this film, because I think it was like, one of these ones, like, like I had some friends in the 90s who were Jim Carrey fans, but it was never really a thing. I always thought I was just one of those weird ones who liked these weird movies and had no one to talk to them about. But um, obviously being a big Formula One fan, Australian Formula One driver Daniel Ricciardo a couple of years ago, they've now got a Miami Grand Prix and they drive around the Miami Dolphins Stadium, which I think is the same one in this movie. Um, and so to kind of commemorate that occasion, Daniel Ricciardo did a special helmet, which was Ace Ventura themed. And I'm pretty sure he had like laces out written on his helmet and just like, it was just, it was hilarious. It was just like the most random, uh, you know, connection to have. And I'm like, oh yeah, there we go. Daniel Ricciardo, adolescent boy, of course. And still, with the Super Bowl coming up, guaranteed there will never be a Super Bowl that passes where you're not seeing all over social media somebody posting the Ray Finkel picture about remember 1985 or whatever laces out. But the thing is, too, like this, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was loosely based in terms of him missing the shot. As a Buffalo Bills fan, many people remember 1991 when wide right, they had, the Bills kicker had a chance to win the Super Bowl on the last play and the ball went right and missed it and New York Giants won mm. the Super Bowl. So I'm pretty sure this, like that idea was based, really? obviously not like a Super Bowl, but this was based on a NFC champion. Well, it was a Super Bowl, missed it. But like, I think I've read that that was kind of, that idea was taken from that real life Super Bowl, which would have been three years prior to this. Yeah, because I mean, I was looking up to see how much of this story was true. I mean, the Dolphins did win the, whatever, uh, NFC or AFC 84. championship that year. Yeah. They went to the Super Bowl, but they lost. But it wasn't like they lost by one. It was like 36 to 18 or something like that. So, I mean, that they obviously fabricate. But, I mean, even uh, there's a lot of players in this movie. Like, I thought oh, Dan it was just one. Well, Dan Marino obviously would be the main one, but even the montage that you have of the other players, mm. like those are the real guys, which it's crazy to see how much they're able to make fun of themselves, and especially the guy at the urinal who apparently was still a very big player in the NFL at this point. Yeah, no, it's, it is like, again, NFL the one I probably follow the least out of all the best. You know enough about it. So you see some of these players and everything. Although I will uh, say that the uh, whole pizzazz around the Super Bowl was a little bit little in this movie compared to what we're obviously yeah. seeing right, right now. <laughs> Ah, uh, but 1994 when we didn't have to randomly care about pop stars, <laughs> flight schedules all the fucking time because who gives a fuck? Apparently there is a school here in Australia in a different state who is saying we're going to delay exams to allow our students to fly to Melbourne and Sydney to see her. I'm like, seriously? Ugh. Seriously? Like, fuck off. Um, just I don't even want to say a name anymore. Like, I, just, yeah. I feel sick her. to the stomach. <laughs> her. All right, let's get into this. This isn't going to take long. Um... And it's a, it is an 80-minute movie. Oh, the days when movies were like basically an extended TV show, not five hours long. Um, we, <laughs> I always... you know, can I, I, I can quickly comment on that because Tom Shadyak says that apparently by the time he made Liar Liar, he had a nickname in the business, which is Tom Shady Hack, huh? which wasn't referring to him being a hack, but it was, he is apparently famous for just cut everything, cut half the movie because he's sort of of the belief that it's like, if a joke only gets a chuckle, it's not worth keeping in your movie. So he would have preview screen. He's like, ah, that joke wasn't quite as big as I thought it'd be cut it out, which is one of the reasons we have like these nice short movies. Well, I, I like that. You know, I mean, again, we yeah. live in an age with three and a half hour movies is the norm <laughs> now. And, and we often talk about 
we don't know a lot of comedies nowadays. Nowadays, um, you know, but uh, when was the last time we had like a dumb comedy like this? Uh, we don't get them anymore. Mm. And ah, uh, bring back movies like this, dumb comedies. Anyway, um, J- Jim Carrey, Sonic Three. He's come on board, yeah. which is good because you were talking about when nature calls. He's always been a, a sequel avoider. He just he doesn't yeah. generally do sequels. So Ace Ventura was always the exception. Obviously, eventually he did Dumb and Dumber Two. But, like, that's why Sonic's very rare that he's coming back for three. Like, it's the first time he's ever done mm-hmm. a third movie. Anyway, uh, so we start off. Why is <laughs> this opening with this package? And he's just, like, smashing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love when it just, like, falls, like, on the ground in the elevator. It's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's just, like, the beauty of it. We need to do a video episode of this of just us trying to impersonate Jim Carrey and his facial expressions. <laughs> And then he's just like kicking it, smashing it. Uh, then we get this guy at the door. And, and again, like just you're talking about his stand up and just the things he does here when he's just like, hello, sir. How are you? Good day to you. All righty, then. Uh, I've got a package for you today. It's like, sounds broken. Yes, it does. Here's an insurance. Most card. likely, sir. <laughs> I bet it was nice. <laughs> um. So he gets into filling this insurance form and uh, he's a dog. Who's a boo? Who's a boo, 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 boo. Steals the dog, does a runner with the dog. And I love this kind of like thing that he puts on the dog. It's like, you've been had by Ace Ventura, pet detective, which I love reading um, on Wikipedia. It's got like a, a snippet from an interview from Jim Carrey where he was basically saying he had to be the 007 of pet detectives. Now, there mm-hmm. is a moment in this movie, which I swear is a Sean Connery impersonation. Um, there is. So it is. All right. Thank you. Um, but there we go. Jim Carrey is James Bond. It happened. Um, yeah. Sort of. Then <laughs> uh, that was Jim, one of his inputs. He's like, I want this to be, because he was supposed to be more of like a bumbling detective, which would have fit like a Chevy Chase version of the script. But it was Jim Carrey was like, no, he's got to be like the coolest guy in the room. He's got to be, you know, incredibly competent at everything because it'll be much funnier when he fails at something. So that that whole James Bond Mission Impossible thing, that was all him. And I like this is a thing which I'm glad it's kind of you have this character. That's a great point because he is cool and suave and just like, but he's almost done it in like, if you and I were to become cool or suave tomorrow, I mean, let's be honest, me, you're already cool and suave. But like, you do it in a way where most people would kind of look at you and go, what a fucking idiot, but you wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of, it's like you see when the cops react to him when he comes, when he shows up, right? They're all mocking him and whatever, but he doesn't give a fuck. Like he knows who he mm. is and like he doesn't really fail that much in this movie either. So yeah, if he's like a bumbling sort of, you know, character like that, it is going to be completely different. Um, <laughs> I love it when he's in the car here. And he's just like, oh, it's flooded. We'll just sit here and wait for a bit. And the guy's like discovered, obviously, that the dog's been stolen. And he's just like, oh, we can move now. <laughs> and it's like, you wouldn't mind giving us a push while you're back there, would you? All righty then. And he's just like driving off with this guy, bites his fingers. And a lot of this is like ad-libbed, right? Because like Jim Carrey is mm-hmm. renowned for like just you do you, Jim. Uh, you, you've got to do what you've got to do, which I'd love to know, like, how much is Tom Shadiak saying? Like, oh, oh, this is Jim. This is just Jim. Like, does he sort of talk about that in the commentary? Yeah, there's, there's a ton of improv. In fact, there are scenes where Tom Shadiak had to actually leave the set in the middle of them filming because he was laughing too hard. I, and I love that with the, the Jim, like, Lie Lie is one where they have the bloopers in the, in the credits roll. 
and you just whenever you see these bloopers of it and that's why i'm looking forward to doing dumb and dumber in a couple of weeks just because just the stories that him and jeff daniels have are just absolutely fantastic anyway so he's gotten this dog back um he then gets it on with this large woman in terms of her (laughs) chest area um, which, I mean, look, it's the 90s, people. This was funny back then. Like, uh, man does something, woman gives blowjob, um, which I think <laughs> it's a blowjob. I don't, look, I, I'm the one well, who knows about sex here. But, like, she's like, I'll remove your pants, which if you actually look, his pants are still on. But then he's, like, like grabbing and moving around. It's like, <laughs> oh, people are very friendly here. Like, to me, that's how Colin has sex. He doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you, I'm, I don't I can't believe I'm asking Colin a sex question. Do you know what is happening here? Well, Tom Shadyac told me what was happening, which he says she is just taking off his pants. But he's like, but people like to interpret this, that there's something else going on there, which he says, if that's what they find funnier, then I'm okay with that. Right. Okay, good. There you go. Seven-year-old Ben watching this uh, (laughs) didn't know. Uh, So then we get poor old Snowflake gets stolen here. Uh, We see the ring, which it is one of these movies that like, if you've seen enough and you know the twist and everything, like just little things like that, that you pay attention to and you notice the ring, like as on the, on the side and later on when you're watching like Sean Young's performance, it's you watch it differently. Once you know that mm-hmm. she's Ray Finkel. Um, meanwhile, Ace Ventura comes home with this leaf. And did you recognize this actor? Yes. The landlord. Hector Salamanca. It is, yes, which I think when we did Breaking Bad and we talked about him, that I'm like, hey, he's in Ace Ventura. Uh, of course, this is Mark Margolis. Mark I can never say his name. Um, but he, And he recently passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Um, only, in, yeah, last year in August 2023. So I knew he'd recently passed away. But um, there he is, Hector Salamanca. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's his landlord. <laughs> he's just. Been, I love it when he's like opening the door. Ventura, yes, Satan. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you were someone else. <laughs> um, and we learn that he's trying to find an albino pigeon, which sort of plays into it throughout this movie. Uh, he's like, I heard animals in there, Ventura. And it's like, oh, you can come in and have a look if you like. <laughs> What's he doing with all this pet food? Fiber. Um, <laughs> so all the all the animals are like hidden. But then once he leaves, um, and this, this is where the first time we get a lahu zahur. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we might have gotten that with the dog. Like, there are two people in life. Well, some are losers. Lahu zahur. <laughs> the one I used to always say was gravy. My friends and I used to always go, gravy, yummy. Which I think <laughs> he says gravy a couple of times in this one, but I think it's a sequel where he, he says, I don't know why gravy is such a thing, but whatever. Um all the animals are hidden in the apartment, which is kind of a cool scene. Is it? I, I, I was trying to find, and maybe I didn't do my research enough, about actually working with animals because it's always never work with kids, never work with animals. I mean, this scene here where you've got like Jim Carrey surrounded by animals and, oh, like, huh. is this legit? Are these real animals or is this yeah. all special effects? And, like, does, this, th- does he talk about the animals? Yeah, this was apparently three months of prep work to have all these animals trained. Because for some of them, the simplest thing, like you have to come out of a drawer. Well, you got to spend a lot of time training an animal, especially a lot of these animals. They're not like dogs where you could easily train them for tricks. But this was the the most complex shot in the movie to set up. Wow. Wow. Uh, I I mean, I can imagine the next one with bats and monkeys and jungles and everything along those lines. Um, We met Courtney Cox for the first time. She's correcting the Miami Dolphins, I guess, owner about that snowflakes are a mammal, not a fish. 
because uh, basically this dolphin has been stolen on Super Bowl week. So, hurry up. Well, I mean, what are the odds that the Super Bowl has been hosted in Miami because <laughs> and Miami's playing it? Because we actually legitimately it was a it was kind of like a curse. The the because obviously the Super Bowl is hosted in a specific city every year. We're about to see mm-hmm. it in Vegas this week, but it wasn't until a couple of years ago when Tampa Bay made the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay that a team had never made their own Super Bowl. So Tampa Bay won it a couple of years ago, and the year after LA made it. So we had two teams make it and two teams win it. So this year, Las Vegas not in their own Super Bowl. So anyway, uh, did you recognize? Do you recognize the actor here who plays Roger Roger Badacter or whatever his name is? I mean, I recognize him, but I don't think it'll be from the same thing. Um, I saw that he was on ER, which I tried to place who he was on ER, and it didn't come to me. But he was in like one episode of Home Improvement, which is one of my favorite episodes of Home Improvement. That I, I is it ER that you're thinking yeah. of? Yeah. So he, if you remember, like uh, they would sort of have like desk clerks in ER. Yeah. Like there was which the, I swear I remember all of them except for this guy. Oh, he was like the main one. He was in it for I, I don't know how many years, but he was at least in it for the majority of it. Um, and I think from memory, like there's an episode where like. Because he's always just like the background character on the desk. And I think his name was Frank. Um, and then like basically he has like a heart attack. And I can't remember if he dies or not, but it becomes like a big thing. Because, oh, no, not Frank. Um, but, yeah, I used to always remember watching this going like, hey, it's Frank from ER. There he is. Uh, <laughs> just Which he probably got the pilot right after filming Ace Ventura. <laughs> also 1994. Big year <laughs> yeah. for TV actors. Uh, Troy Evans is his name. Call him by his act. Like, give Troy Evans some limelight on the other. Troy Evans or Bette Midler. Troy Evans. Correct answer. Courtney Cox or Bette Midler? Courtney Cox. Yay. Who is your favorite friend? Uh, I mean, I see, one of the things with the show is that I I prefer, I think that show would be better if it was more over the top. So, I mean, Matt LeBlanc and Lisa Kudrow, to me, are the funniest things on that show. I I, I struggle more with the other four. Oh, the other four. Oh. The others. The other. Rest in peace, Matthew Perry. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's not funny. Um. So, anyway, um... They're trying to find uh, the dolphin. And I love these random women when they're like, going like, oh, how are we going to find Snowflake? How are we going to And this random like desk woman, you should hire a pet detective. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I like lost my dog, like he was really good and really professional. Uh, and then you see like Ace Ventura falling off the roof. Um, we get like the first of uh, Ace Ventura like parking skills when he just like screams mm-hmm. down in his car, parks really randomly like a glove. Um, I can't do it very well. Uh, so Jim Carrey meets Courtney Cox. It's the combination you never knew you needed. Um, I love he's eating his nuts or whatever he's eating. What is he eating? What? Sunflower they seeds. Sunflower seeds. Okay. <laughs> I just love it. It's like, would you like an ashtray? No, thanks. I don't smoke. <laughs> Disgusting. And it's like all over his teeth. and his. <laughs> also the way he chews, like, I don't know. I don't know how many people catch this. He chews it like he's a bird. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Which it, I always just think of the second one when he's like in the, on the plane. It's like, peanuts? No, thank you. I've got some right here. Peanuts. It's like, oh. <laughs> um, but like watching uh, the tricks that Snowflake does. Um, and then we get him uh, sniffing around the tank, which uh, the thing that always like baffles me about this movie, they kind of go from zero to 100 with this relationship between Courtney Cox and Jim Carrey straight away. Because like, they literally meet. Then we see like them in the tank two seconds later and then they're going on a date like, you know, and she's like acting like they've known each other for a long time. Like it's kind of like mm-hmm. eh, that accelerated really quickly. Um, but can we just talk about Ace Ventura's fashion sense with the Hawaiian shirt? Oh, and yeah. The, like so many the people. undershirt underneath it. That so many people have like gone as like, I, I've, I'd love to do this as Halloween. The hair, um, like the, the way he kind of does it. I, I never get Jim Carrey doing an interview for Liar Liar when he's like, oh, I'm so thankful I can actually have my normal hair for once. 
because uh, it's like this in the mask. He's always got like weird hair. Um, he finds this stone in the tank and there's always this, I don't know if you've ever seen that gif with like Jim Carrey where he's like looking around the camera when he's like yeah. face. Like that's like, <laughs> there's two gifs from this movie that always get used. That one when he's like looking around the camera and the one later on when he's in like the dress and he's dancing around with the touchdown celebrations. Um, but it, I mean, again, I can't imagine this isn't Jim Carrey just going full Jim Carrey when he's basically yeah. going like, I can't help it, Captain. We're going to go Starlogs. You know, it's just like, for uh, God's sakes, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Is that just Jim Carrey doing Jim Carrey? Like, is that, uh, I, I, I don't know whether that part specifically was in a script, but I mean, it, this feels like something Jim Carrey would do. Cause there's no reason for him to be in there doing Star Trek impressions. Yeah, exactly. I do love the press here, like yelling, like, we want to interview Snowflake. You mean tell us <laughs> it's a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> But he ends up finding uh, this little rock, which is obviously going to play uh, into it. Uh, I might pause it. I've gone on for a long time, so I might pause it just before he gets to the uh, the cop station here. But basically, Ace Ventura has found a rock and has uh, saved a dog. Uh, I, you covered most of the best lines in this, which, let's be honest, most of this movie is just one-liners and facial expressions, which we can't imitate. But uh, some some of the uh, cool things I like in this, uh, you know, the the whole box gag, like how long that goes on for, and just Jim Carrey, like, yes, he's given credit for being a great physical comedian, which people often associate his physical comedy with just facial expressions, but he's doing handstands here. He's, like, kicking this thing and everything. Um, and, and this guy uh, who has the dog, uh, now he's got two black eyes. That was not in the script. That wasn't makeup either. The guy, the actual actor showed up to set with two black eyes and they said, I think that might work for your character, <laughs> which apparently he had been in like a bar brawl or something like that. Uh, but this was just a real thing. And and Tom Shadyak says that like he specifically picked a lot of these like character actors who weren't used to comedies, this guy being one of them. I don't know. I've definitely seen him in other things before. And then same thing with Mark Margolis. Like he, he yeah, well, bar fights and, and Colin uh, used to get in the bar fights all the time and then I oh that's that guy that kicked my ass three weeks ago <laughs> I gave him the black eye yeah. uh, I was like 11 years old or whatever but uh, but and Mark Margolis the same thing he specifically said like this guy is not a comedy actor but I wanted the people to be grounded around him uh, I do love though in the, the chasing where he's getting away from black eye guy here <laughs> the, the guy with the black eyes what he screams is he smashes his windshield Putts! I'm like, is that the best rage-filled insult? Like, this is a great script, but like, of all things, for this incredibly mean, nasty guy to yell putts is what it, he yells. I, I actually ran a movie I watched on the plane, Grumpy Old Men, and that was kind of all about saying the word putts. But I, I, if you notice, there's a, like when he falls off and they kind of do the long shot of uh, Ace driving around the corner, there's a woman on a bike who kind of like looks behind and goes, "Oh my god, what happened?" And then she just keeps riding on a bike. It's like, <laughs> Miami. It just happens all the time. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, the, the scene, the yes, Satan. <laughs> uh, and then uh, something that I never noticed before, I thought that he actually was struggling to open his door, but I guess when he does that, like, he's jingle. That's something that he's trained these animals. You hear this noise, you go for your hiding spot or whatever. There's a, there's a couple of little things in this movie that I, I'm like, 30 years has taken me to figure some of this out. That's crazy. Because this is a very well-scripted movie. Like, if you were to take all of Jim Carrey's performance out of it, it, it the plot makes sense. You know, it has surprise, it has twists, it has turns, and, you know, the continuity's there. Um, one thing I love where he gets to the uh, the Dolphin Stadium is where he comes into Courtney Cox's office, and uh, they're saying, like, oh, you didn't have any trouble getting through security? The man with the rubber glove was surprisingly <laughs> gentle. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the whole uh, tank scene that he has there. One of the things that Tom Shadak points out is that they filmed this in Florida, 
and um, the the weather it was unpredictable. So it says if you look from one shot to the next, it'll be sunny in one shot, and then the very next shot it looks like it's about like to, a hurricane's about to hit. And I'd never picked that up before, which Jamie, as she was listening to commentary with me, she's like, that just shows you how good Jim Carrey is because you're not drawn to any of the backgrounds. Mm. In any other movie, even if it's a movie I love, I see those things in the background. Good I see point. those little, oh, look at them, the clouds there and stuff like that. Nobody focuses on that because Jim Carrey, is, he just completely draws you in this performance. Um, yeah, the, the media, I want to get a shot of Snowflake. Is Snowflake a real mascot? Like, do they have, I, I, I have a feeling they didn't actually have this dolphin as a mascot because I think I found that out a couple of years later. I don't when think, because they, they don't like, yeah, animals and, and yeah. Well, I mean, you see like at the end, which is like, you, you never specifically see it's the Philadelphia Eagles, but it's clearly meant to be with the mm-hmm. colors and yeah. everything. But um, Miami Dolphins used to use a real dolphin, but her name wasn't Snowflake. There you go. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the fact that it's the week of the Super Bowl, and you really only have a half a dozen reporters there who are clamoring to get a shot of the mascot, like that would never happen. They they want a shot of her. Uh, <laughs> that's what they want. They want a shot of Tolan Loke, who's there to perform the halftime show yeah. in 1994. Uh, it's Jamie's oh. hiding in the back. Jamie I told doesn't. her specifically, I'm like, we're on a timeline here. Just don't come down and be too distracting. So she comes by with a hood over her. Why is looking she like, like she's about to rob a bank? Well, yeah, what's going on? We know what, I know what you look like, Jamie. Or is that is that your secret woman? Is that Jennifer Garner? That's, that's Jennifer Garner right now. Uh, heading upstairs for some pizzas. Um, I'm not a whole else a uh, lot to add here. I mean, the, the the scene coming up in the police station is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I, I love though when he says that if I'm back, just wait five. Uh, just wait. You know, I'm not back in five minutes. <laughs> I say that all we just the wait time. longer. That is yeah. my, I just wait longer. Say that to many people. I'm not back in ten minutes. Just wait longer. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I love when he he's doing the Star Trek thing. Star date twenty three point nine. Round off to the nearest decimal point. <laughs> um, the the one thing I will say is that if there's any flaw in the plot of this movie, it's that Ace is like completely focused on the stone he finds. Which you're in the Dolphin Stadium. Everybody here has a ring if they've been around for ten years. And at not one point does anybody even say to him, "Is like could it be entirely possible that somebody was cleaning the pool?" Or that they were just checking out Snowflake and they dropped the stone. That that, that might be the one uh, thing. When you lastly, Dad, when you were mentioning about Sean Young with her, uh, uh, you know, character, like, oh, you can see these things. Another thing I never noticed till now is if you look at the the people who are all in black who come to kidnap Snowflake, you can tell one of them is a woman. You can tell it is like a feminine figure, and then the other one's a male figure. So the fact that they even decided to put that little detail in there. So if you watch this over, it's not going to be one of these movies like. You know the 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 killers revealed, and you look back at like like half the screen movies, like no 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 that doesn't make any sense. That's not possible. Like, they they actually wanted to make sure that this as a detective story still checks out. You, you mentioned halftime shows, and I just want to point out a couple of things quickly. In nineteen ninety, you want to talk about Rihanna? Uh, sure. I was going to talk about Usher, but whatever. Um, <laughs> wow. talk about the real queen who did the uh, Super Bowl in two thousand and twelve. <laughs> Let's not get into that, but um. I looked this up. So in 1994, the Super Bowl really was in Miami, by the way. So that was accurate. But that year's halftime show was not Snowflake the Dolphin. It was Tony Bennett, Patti LaBelle, Arturo Sandoval, and Miami Sound Machine. Um, (laughs) What a stacked lineup. I know. They all so perfectly blend together. I mean... Safe to say the halftime show has improved over the years. <laughs> um, if I, I always love watching the 
sort of the best and worst Super Bowl halftime shows of all time and kind of how, you know, Michael Jackson was the one that kind of started like the big superstar in 1993, so the year before 1994. But then like if you ever look at the ones where basically, because Disney essentially owned it for so long, so like they would do like a Indiana Jones tribute because they had the new Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland and they'd be like, oh, let's do like a celebration of the Blues Brothers um, so like watch some of the nineties halftime shows. They're hilarious. Uh, and then of course in a post wardrobe malfunction world, they were like, Oh no, we can't have big shows. So let's just have five years of old rockers. So here's <laughs> the who Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and now did Aerosmith ever do one. We're about to hear them. Uh, they did like, I think they were that year that yeah, 2001, it was technically Aerosmith. But that was that weird blend where they got Aerosmith mixed with NSYNC with appearances by Britney Spears and Mary Mary J. Blige and Nelly. It was this oh, yeah, mishmash of weirdness that actually really weirdly worked. Um, like Tony Bennett and Miami Sound Machine. And Patti LaBelle. Um, <laughs> Patti LaBelle. Because <laughs> who wouldn't want Patti LaBelle? Uh, if you ask me to. If you ask me to. Um, so anyway, uh, we were at the cop shop for the first time. This is kind of what I was saying before, like he thinks he's like the coolest guy and suave and everything, but everybody's just kind of like mocking him, which, so, I mean, again, it's, I don't think we really need to get to the depths of, of realism in Ace Ventura Pet Detective when we're going to see this man catch a bullet in his teeth and, uh, get attacked <laughs> by a shark and survive. But like, he just walks into the police station, like. I'm guessing he's almost like a private investigator, but can he just walk into a police station and just be like, I know like I always, I think I used to always think that he was a cop. Like this was a division of the Miami PD, (laughs) but like, it's just shat upon, but obviously it's not. Um, I love this little back and forth. He's got with this other cop when he's like stepping on the cockroach and it's like, Oh, you know, I think you, um, like saw the size of his dick and got jealous. <laughs> and it's like kiss and make up. And then we meet everybody's 18th favorite nineties rapper tone lock. Um, <laughs> which I mean, who doesn't like wild thing? Why not? Um, funky cool Medina. I, I don't know if I know that song. I was reading about that. Maybe it's one of these ones which I actually heard it. I probably would know. So he's like, what? Like he's a cop that obviously helps out ace. And this is where we get ass talking for the first time. Uh, tell me about the ass talking. Give me some. Uh, give me some stories about ass talking. I've always wanted to say that sentence I, on this show. Honestly, all I could tell you is that from that stand-up special I remember seeing, like a year or two before this movie came out, that was one of the things he did, and that's what I remembered most fondly from it as a child. You know, <laughs> seeing a person spreading their cheeks, blah, 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 uh, which Tom Shadyac does mention on the commentary. He says that uh, this is a hundred percent a Jim Carrey thing, and uh, when they did like previews and everything with audiences it's, it's not often we had walkouts but he distinctly remembered one where as soon as this scene came up there was like a seven-year-old man who was like i don't have time for this <laughs> I just walked out of the theater my the dad best, <laughs> well, the best story about this is that tom shady is saying that his brother is like a lawyer or something like that and he said there was one day his brother was you know in a courtroom in the middle of uh whatever hearing or something and the lawyer was like, uh, Mr. Shadyak, are you the same, you know, uh, Mr. Shadyak, whose brother directed Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? And he goes, uh, yes, sir, that would be me. And the judge stands up, turns around, and <laughs> makes his own butt talk with the ropes. All right, nice to meet you, Mr. Shadyak. In the wow. middle of a courtroom. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. What was the trial about? Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I'm hoping it was a murder trial or like sex offender or something. <laughs> We're here to discuss the rape of... <laughs> <laughs> Why did you touch that child inappropriately? <laughs> wow. Um, at that point, I think you probably want case dismissal. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't imagine being on set when he's doing this and like oh. Tone Lock must be... And Sean Young must be the most like you know, straight barrel people ever to not crack up laughing when somebody's standing there. Excuse me, do you mind if I can ask you a few questions? Do you happen to have a mint? <laughs> I like it when he's on the chair. Oh, oh, oh no, now you pissed him off. Oh, oh. <laughs> but that's just like the physical comedy that he does. Like, obviously yeah. this is going to be different if it's Chevy Chase, Rick Moranis or Whoopi Goldberg. I, I love Whoopi Goldberg, but I can't imagine Whoopi Goldberg going, excuse me, do you mind if I... <laughs> Ask you a few questions. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, the weird thing about the fashion choice of Ace Ventura, just back on that, is that we live in a world now where kind of watching this movie, it kind of looks normal because a lot of this fashion has come yeah. back into play in 2024. Whereas, like, you know, there was a period where you'd watch this and go, like, oh, God, he looks like an idiot. But now you're like, <laughs> I see people wearing that all the time. I wear that. Like, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, we meet Sean Young, Lois Einhorn for the first time, pet dick. Uh, and obviously, you know, she doesn't respect him. Um, is this the one where he's like, um, oh, thanks. I, I'm not really my type or whatever. And like, just leave. Oh, no, this is the 911 bit. This is the, um, do you mind if I give you a call later on? Is your number still 911? All righty yeah. then. <laughs> Although he does have that line here where she says he's going to make his life a living hell. And he says, Oh, thank you, but I'm not really looking for a relationship right now. Yeah, that's, I think that's the one that I was thinking of. But I also love that bit where he does like the licks of fingers out and like he does it. Yeah. Which again is just like, I can't imagine that's in the script. Ace Ventura licks fingers, points down, and makes fart sound. Like that's just a Jim Carrey <laughs> thing. Um, we then meet our next biggest cameo of the movie, Cannibal Corpse. Um, <laughs> real band. And I remember when I worked at Sanity. We like would get the metal CDs in, and I remember when we would get Cannibal Corpse CDs in, and I'm like, "Hey, that's that Ace Ventura band." And if I'm not mistaken, I think Cannibal Corpse was a band that like they did really unique things with their CDs. So like they literally had, and again, I, I'm thinking it's Cannibal Corpse. If this is another band, I'm not trying to take credit for them, and uh, apologies. But they literally released a CD. It was a scratch and sniff CD that you scratched it and the sniff was dead body smell. I'm not even joking. It was like, this is what a corpse apparently smells like. That that was their marketing ploy. Makes sense if it was cannibal corpse. But it just, it was freaky because you'd get this CD and it's like, Ben, scratch this CD. I'm like, okay. You're like, what is that? Like, that's a dead body. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, okay. So it was, that was, the scratch and sniff, it looks like was typo negative. Another one of like the thrash metal bands. Okay, well, whatever. They're all the sound the same. Racist against metal bands. <laughs> But it was just it was just this thing where he's like, wow, okay, that's that's marketing. I, I always love this scene when he's like jumping around metal. He's like, you know, doing Jim Carrey dance. Excuse me, have you seen Greg? Thank you. <laughs> and he's doing like the tango dance yeah. in the middle of this. <laughs> and he's just like dancing around. And then we get to this secret room. I love it when he like gets shoved in this door and he's kind of like does like the fist thing and he's like, you know, like, oh, like fuck you. And he goes to this door. Hello, what is the password? Uh, New England clam chowder. <laughs> is it the red or the white? Oh, I never get that. White? <laughs> it's like, yes. 
Um, and then we meet, oh, who is this guy? Q, uh... Woodstock. Woodstock. Uh, one of the lone gunmen from the X-Files. This was kind of the thing in the 90s where he's, like, sending Norwegian whalers off into the depths and it's like, oh, like, I need you to find out who's been buying some fishing equipment. And we find out that it's this rich, snooty, rich guy, which... I always forget, like, I always think this is in this movie, but it's the next one. It's like, oh, look, it's the Monopoly guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the second one. Do yeah. not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> <laughs> I just love watching Jim Carrey around snooty rich people. Uh, and this is, again, this is like not a plot hole, but it just, this is where it always like confuses me. It's like, why is he on a date with Courtney? He, he's met her like twice. And, like, I get it that the point is he needs to infiltrate this party. So, obviously, Courtney Cox and Melissa is going to this party. But, like, how does this work? Because even the way she's going, like, oh, don't embarrass me, don't do this. Like, you've experienced him once. Like, are there deleted scenes where there are more things in there the is. script? Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah. There is. I don't know if you've ever watched this on TV, but because uh, you, you mentioned Canada, of course, there's going to be one of those. But there was, I remember there was a deleted scene that they add as they used to, you know, in the TV cuts. Like we talked about the Lost World had like those extra scenes that were in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them was it, during the tank scene. He comes out and he does like I think it was like some, you know, red carpet type reporter thing where he's like very exaggerated and playing like, oh, you got to tell me who you're wearing. So yeah, he, he had done a couple of embarrassing things. Okay, there you go. But uh, but we he gets this, <laughs> this house already. And I love it when he's just like, uh, permission to come on board or whatever it is to this guy. Captain Zubin. <laughs> and he does that thing with his mouth and he's like, Unk! and he just like bites him. <laughs> you just see this guy just getting so like frustrated at him. But somebody's walking in the party and he's like doing like this almost like chicken dance. <laughs> And he's, <laughs> he's like walking around. I love this new guy, Melissa. Hello. Oh, glad that you like. I just love the fact that you got these over exaggerated rich people, which gets even more over exaggerated in the sequel. But I like this guy. Like, I mean, this guy's meant to be like just an asshole, but at no point do we see him because he's just like, oh, the fishers. I like to watch them. They make me calm. <laughs> and this is where he's like, oh, this is my um, my my date. He's a lawyer. It's like, does your date have a name or is he just lawyer? This is Ace. Tom Ace. Tom Ace. <laughs> and what does he go on here about like, oh, yes, have you recently seen uh, the cases that have been talked about, about food poisoning at rich people's parties? How are you feeling tonight? And he's like, I'm well, thank you. He's like, all righty then. Oh, look, dear, the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> it's like the way he walks up. I also love his shirt, this like Florida shirt that he's wearing underneath it. Yeah. Um, he goes over the top with like this like, the food and he's like bagging out this guy like again we can't show it on an audio episode but he's like sticking his food out of his mouth and oh, everything yeah. just so funny uh, <laughs> i love it when he goes up to the rich guy it's like excuse me where's the bathroom i think it was the pate it's like <laughs> i think this stuff's gonna look better on the way out than it does in <laughs> oh and he just like walks off this was always a scene that i think my dad pointed out to just like hating like this bit when he gets attacked by the shark or whatever it is but this is obviously what two years prior to when they did the Mission Impossible movie. Again, yeah, I'm dumb. I've never seen the Mission Impossible TV show. I thought the Mission Impossible theme was from the movie. I didn't realize that was the theme <laughs> that they used. Well, you thought it was from East Ventura? No, no, no. I thought when they did the movie <laughs> with Tom <laughs> that Cruise, they created for that. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't realize that this was like an actual T. Like I'm, I'm surprised given that he said that he wanted to make this like the 007. Like they didn't use the James Bond theme here. 
Um, mm. But they use a mission, but I just love his over-the-top bits here that he does when he, like, he walks in the bathroom, he locks the door, he, like, gets a bit of soap, and then he just, like, does this, like, creep, and he, like, goes through the window. And I love it when he, like, jumps over the edge of this water thing to, like, creep on it, and then he just literally jumps back over it again. Like, he didn't need to do that. All unscripted, too. This was apparently designed as it would be, like, a real Mission Impossible break-in, or it would be, like, a choreographed action scene. And Jim Carrey, on the day of filming, is like, I think I could do something that's kind of funnier. And then he just improv this. So they just rolled the cameras where he did the most exact. He's going two feet and he's like hanging on a wall. That was yeah, all Jim Carrey. Like, and he's like sort of like going towards the door. And, he's like, uh, 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 and it just opens. <laughs> um, so funny. Uh, he goes into this. We've got a giant tank. So basically the investigation of why there is a giant tank and fish things and all that kind of stuff. And we find out that there's a shark in here, which... Uh, again, plot hole, that, that great white shark, that's not going to be in a title. It's like when License to Kill, when I'm like, oh, you can't keep a great white shark. Again, plot holes. This is Ace Ventura, whatever. Um, but like, not Snowflake, not Snowflake. And then he's getting like dragged around by this shark. <laughs> Which again, it's dumb, but it's funny. This is what's beautiful about mm-hmm. this movie. It's so stupid. It's just adolescent boys. We love it. Um, it's just like a cartoon. And then one of the famous bits of this movie, when everybody's lined up for the toilet and he comes out, do not go in there. <laughs> Woo! I used to always do that as a kid when I used to come out of the toilet to my parents. Like I'd do, I'd do a dump and I'm like, do not go in there. And my mom's like, bad, don't be disgusting. <laughs> and and my is- mom was the one coming out of the bathroom going, do not go in there. <laughs> mom, get off the hood of the car. Um, this is where he leaves the party. Uh, and he, he grabs his ring and he's trying to look at the ring. And again, like, you don't picture Ace Ventura as being a big football fan, but he automatically knows it's like, oh, the 1984 NFC Championship ring. It's a stone mm-hmm. from that, which, again, it's you're right. They really did win the NFC Championship game, Miami, but the ring looks completely different. I Googled this last night, and, like, obviously mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who does it because it's like, is Ace Ventura's ring accurate? <laughs> um, so he gets his team photo out of this book, and he goes, this is sort of the montage where he goes after all these real NFL players. So we've got a guy giving him the finger. He's running along this guy on the track. Um, he's got, uh, what, getting an autograph, arm wrestling. He grabs a guy in a post box. Uh, he gets punched in the face because he whips a guy in the shower. Um, the pimple face getting the autograph, which is hilarious. Uh, this movie doesn't exactly hold up well 30 years later for the uh, gay community. Let's just say that. Uh, so, uh, the, the, I, Yeah, I think that there's for and against arguments for it. I'll, especially with a lot of the controversy this movie got, it was very much like, no, you're off base there. But there are some things like the urinal scene where you're like, oh, you couldn't do this. Yeah, now. that that's a bit off. But I, I think I'd read that same interview with Jim Carrey when he's talking about the 007 part. He said like his performance, like particularly the bit when he like is reacting to kissing a man. He's yeah. like, he deliberately went over, like I wanted to make it the most obscure homophobic thing you could do as a point of reacting to that. So Jim Carrey's kind of said like, yeah, like that was meant to be incredibly homophobic. So you know, we'll get to the controversy part later on. Um, so he can't find all, all the people's stones are in their ring still. I, love, I always love this like mean Ace Ventura scene to Melissa when they're just sitting in like the chair and, and Melissa's like, Oh, you know, you're probably a little bit off. That's okay. And he's just like, no, I wasn't uh, off base with this. And then it's like, what do you feed your dog? I don't know. Dog food. 
he's <laughs> just like going off. And what is this is when he just starts insulting her for some reason. Like, why did you cry about it? Saddlebags. Uh, Patty, saddlebags. But, but yeah, and you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, this is just, again, why adolescent males love this movie because it's just the most <laughs> immature, like, childish comebacks ever. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, and you're ugly. <laughs> it's like what I'd say to my sister at this point in time. Uh, this is where we find out, though, that sadly uh, Frank from ER is dead. Uh, he has been, well, apparently committed suicide, but in one of the, I always love this scene when, like, Ace kind of just, like, goes through this apartment and he's just basically like, oh, soundproof glass. Oh! Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the audio works for Ben on that. Exactly. There, see, I've got better equipment than Colin. Um, and then kind of shows up the cops in this one. There's like blood on the on the railing, which again, terrible cop work if they didn't find blood on the railing. Um I mean, in all fairness, the, the, the guys are still looking because when he says that, you see the other two guys are, oh, we didn't check there yet. <laughs> It just reminds me of Harding from. I watched uh, Jurassic Park was on TV on Christmas Day, and I just the, the, the scene. Oh, <laughs> pupils are well. I'll be darned. <laughs> I'll be darned. Fucking Harding, <laughs> the father of, of of Sarah Harding from the Lost World. There, kids. The star of the biggest Jurassic Park video game. What's <laughs> what? Well, I'll be darned. Is this West Indian lilac? Um, random- oh, you know that they, they use Henry Wu. He's gonna be the next guy they have to bring back. <laughs> random Courtney Cox post that she did uh, a couple of days before recording this. She's like, "Oh, days off." Like she's obviously gone and she's hung out with Lisa Kudrow, which makes any Friends fan happy when you see them just hanging out. But you scroll through her pictures, she was hanging out with Laura Dern. Like, okay, <laughs> didn't know Courtney Cox and Laura Dern were friends, but I'm I'm on board for that. So you know, Monica and and Dr. Ellie Sattler. There's a combination. Or Melissa, who would you rather? Um, Travelling around there. Um, or Bette Midler. <laughs> Bette Midler or Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yeah, come on. Academy Award winner, Laura Bette, Dern. Bette Midler or Dr. Harding from Jurassic Park? <sighs> Bette Midler as Dr. Harding. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Memories. <laughs> I'll be darned. <laughs> I'll be darned, darling. Uh, <laughs> you are the wind beneath my wings. I'll be darned. <laughs> Bet Midler or the Triceratops that is sick. <laughs> triceratops that is sick. Um, yeah. Sorry, Bet Midler. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Uh, so basically um, Ace is now finding out there's another photo of the the... Super other uh, NFC team. So this is where we learn hear the name Ray Finkel for the first time. Uh, that he wasn't in the team photo from preseason. He got signed earlier on, and we learned this whole big deal about how he was best known for missing the kick that lost them the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So oh, this is going to have motive. Uh, they fuck. Uh, Every time you hear the the lion sleeps tonight, do you not think of sex? I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Colin does. That's that's what Jamie <laughs> does in the house when it's like anniversary or time to procreate. We just hear the wee wee mo on my way. Dizzy uh, in the background, rocking your head. This <laughs> 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 just reminds me of the Simpsons movie when like Marge and Homer have sex and you see all the animals and they're like, Whoa. like when they're like. <laughs> 
having sex. Um, Colin wouldn't have gotten the reference here. It's like, oh my God, three times. It's like, yeah. yes, I know. There must be something wrong with me. Okay, I'm ready again. Um, as a nah, kid. It's definitely a fantasy movie. Ever, never got this joke as a kid. Uh, <laughs> none of us did. <laughs> um, so uh, it's kind of like the the famous one, which everybody, the meme of like uh, Forrest Gump, where you never get the scene with Jenny and uh, Forrest Gump in oh, the towel. Yeah. It's like, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no one ever got that joke as a kid. Uh, so we drive out to uh, Buttfuck Nowhere, Florida, where he shows up to Ray Finkel's house. Excuse me, is this a... Hey, I'm looking for Ray Finkel and a new pair of pants. <laughs> he points the gun at him. Uh, this might be my favourite Hawaiian shirt that he wears, by the way. The sort of the green with the yellow. I oh, we got to rank him. I love a Hawaiian shirt. I'm a, I'm a Hawaiian shirt. Are you a Hawaiian shirt, man? I can't picture you in a Hawaiian shirt. No. I mean, Dennis Nedry's Hawaiian shirt or Ace Ventura's Hawaiian shirt? Oh, Bette Midler. Um, no, or Bette Midler. <laughs> probably Dennis Nedry's. That one's a pretty yeah, good one. Yeah, I would one. say Nedry. Then Ace I love Ventura, they sell then that Bette now, Midler. too. You could, you, see, they, they sell Nedry's. I mean, Ace Ventura's never actually got its own clothing line. I Actually, I'm going to stand up here and show you something. This sounds inappropriate, but just Please bear don't. With, bear with me. Look what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing... <laughs> Jurassic Park pajamas, which I was in a store the other day, eight dollars for um, pajamas and a shirt. So I, I thank you for standing that particular angle because, like, one <laughs> or two inches tilted to the right, and I would have seen right up your shorts. I, I don't know how big you think I am, Colin, but it would have been about five or six more <laughs> inches than that. You know, I'm I'm impressive, but not that impressive. So <laughs> thank you for noticing. <laughs> um, oh, you noticed. Thank you for noticing. Um, so we find out here that sort of Ray Finkel's a little bit crazy. So is the parents because he missed this shot. He went crazy and he blames Damarina. <laughs> I was going to use this as my opening line when the mother is like, Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rotten hell. <laughs> Cookie? <laughs> <laughs> love that woman. Um, we see the room freaky. We see the kick. Uh, and basically Ace now calls up Melissa and is basically just like, hey, so, yep, you need to protect Dan Marino because Ray Finkel's gone crazy. Uh, he's kidnapped Snowflake. And now he's got Dan Which I've got to ask, why does he kidnap Snowflake? This is my biggest question of this movie, which is that, like, huh. like I get... You've got to get Ace Ventura into this movie oh, without Ace because Ventura. Snowflake ki- Snowflake's gonna make the kick during the halftime show that Finkel couldn't. Maybe right. that's what it is. Maybe yeah, because I mean I think outside of the plot device of you've got to get Ace Ventura involved in this film, you've got to have an animal. I'm always like going, why do they kidnap Snowflake <laughs> when it's yeah. his gripe is against Dan Marino? Uh, <laughs> so anyway. So Dan Marino gets kidnapped. I love, I love it. Is this a reshoot, guys? Because these guys like basically like pick him up and drag him out. And they're just like, yeah, it's a reshoot. Which, I mean, look, again, American football, outside of hockey and basketball, you know, my and baseball, you know, not huge on it in terms of that. But I think I knew who Dan Marino was as yeah. a kid. I mean, he's kind of one of these ones that I think whether you follow the sport or not, like everyone knows who Tom Brady is, right? Like yeah, Dan Marino, Dan Marino, Troy Aikman, you know, you knew those Joe guys. Joe Montana, like people yeah. like that sort of back in the in the 90s. And got to say, of all the athletes who have acted, Dan Marino, not the worst, not the best. Yeah. But he does okay. Um, like well, when you hear Tom Shadiak explain how nervous he was to take this, because apparently Dan Marino is the exact opposite of this in real life. Like he's a very serious guy. So for them to approach a guy who is notoriously very serious to do this ridiculous movie, you know, where he's kidnapped by you know uh, transvestite and <laughs> uh put up there with a dolphin you know that, that that must have been a hard sell for him i might just kind of go here just before we get to the mental institution and kind of that can be the the last act but we get 
Uh, Ace Ventura basically now um, going to Lois, tells what he's deduced and like, hey, you got to get Ray Finkel and this is what's happening and, this, you know, I've, I've solved the case. This is where we get uh, Lois kissing Ace and then on top of him on the desk <laughs> and your gun seems to be digging into my hip, which I never got as a kid. I never yeah. understood, particularly later on when he's putting like the chewing gum in his mouth and like, your gun seems to be sticking in my hip. <laughs> like, I never understood it. Um, and now I'm like, oh, she has an erection. Um, mm-hmm. It's a thing what happens to your penis, Colin, when you get excited. Maybe you'll experience <laughs> it one day. Um, but uh, so that's kind of obviously set up where we're going to get this crying game scene later on. I guess the controversial scene of this movie. But I'll cap it there just before we get to Shady Acres. Uh, which, by the way, named after Shady Ack. Uh, <laughs> literally, he named it after himself. No, it's not even a joke. He he he, he takes credit for that. He I, goes, thought, I named this after myself. I, for some reason, I was thinking of uh, Shady Tree from Diamonds Are Forever. You mean a lousy audience? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Colin got a Diamonds so, Are Forever. I'll black that out of my head. We're not on that podcast today. Uh, so the, the police station scene, uh, apparently they filmed this in, I don't know if it was a real police station, but I mean, a lot of this is all filmed, not like on a soundstage, but indoors somewhere in Miami. And it was apparently so hot that the guy who plays Aguado like the uh the the suck up to to um uh what's her name Finkel Ein, uh, Einhorn Einhorn yeah Lois Einhorn is Finkel uh, Finkel is Einhorn <laughs> Finkel is Einhorn yeah but you could see a sweat stand on his back and his armpits uh again not scripted he went through like a dozen shirts that day of filming because it was so hot inside with no air conditioning I'm glad, glad you mentioned because I noticed if you actually watch him you see sweat dripping from his head like I yeah. you, I actually noticed that this time around you watch his face there's sweat pouring from him yeah this was what, what you see of his sweat scenes one of the better takes they had apparently because he was sweating so bad for that uh some of the other things they they uh have to I guess foreshadow Lois's uh twist at the end you mentioned the gun and the hip thing uh, another thing in that same scene is that apparently there is like a banana and two apples that are like right next to it on the desk, like in huh. a fruit bowl. Uh, and the the main one being, which again, I never got until you know, probably just now is the very first line Ace says to Lois is holy testicle Tuesday, <laughs> uh, which was probably intentionally put in there to kind of foreshadow everything with that. Um, uh, th- this thing with the cockroach, th- I, I, it wasn't a real cockroach. It was funny hearing Tom Shadak explain that like you had to have a pet wrangler and you, you had to have like, some fake trickery with the shot because they couldn't kill a real cockroach on set. They're like, you could kill it in your kitchen. You couldn't kill it on the set. Uh, so there's a special effect right there. Um, well, that, and, then yeah, you, and, that, and I think we talked a lot about that on 007, that that is a, um, I believe, a legacy of Never Say Never Again because I'm pretty sure that was yeah. the movie that made all these rules for animals in place because they just threw a horse off a cliff and stuff like they that. They ruined it for Ace Ventura. But it, but it is it's interesting because I've read that, I've heard that too about like movies with insects that you think that like, oh, an insect's mm-hmm. fine, you can kill it. But no, like it's it's legitimately- Can't swat a fly on screen. Any animal type of cruelty, you can you can't even kill an insect. So yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I love the 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 laugh that he has, the fake laugh that Ace Ventura has when other people are laughing. I'm like, <laughs> with like on one corner of his mouth, yeah. which he does for the first time here in this scene. Uh, Tone Loke, like, seriously, he's barely in this movie. And what what is his purpose? He's the one guy for Ace to talk to. And then he appears, like, at the end with a gun held to him by Courtney Cox. And flirts with some uh, cheerleaders. And, what's, what's weird, though, is that this was the selling feature. We've got Tone Loke in this movie. I tried to look, because he's obviously <laughs> most well-known for, you know, uh, for his rap career. But 
he had already given up on music at this point, only a couple of years in his career. He released two no, albums. No, not a Taylor Swift music career. No, <laughs> but like he was, he was done, and he was a guy nominated for Grammys, you know, platinum selling album. And he's like, no, I'm going to get into acting. I mean, I it looks like he did other acting a after this, nothing really big. But this is probably the thing that people know him best for now, as far as an actor goes. Um, the uh, the the guy here, Woodstock, the, in the Cannibal Corpse back room. Uh, I don't know if you ever noticed he's wearing two pairs of glasses. Yeah, because you what you see him put them on, like because he's wearing glasses, and yeah. then when he's on the computer, he puts a second pair on. Like yeah, the second I, pair. Yeah, there's a lot of things in that scene that don't work, and apparently uh, there was a ton that was cut out of this scene where they said something about it just didn't work. And I don't know. I still kind of feel like I forget this guy's in the movie. Like you don't need him in the movie. The comedy here, even what's left in, just doesn't feel as strong. Like, but it, somehow it should work because you got this weird quirky guy. Like you said, it's Q. And he's got this weird back room in the middle of a Cannibal Corpse concert. Um, Cannibal Corpse, it's funny because Jamie was saying, oh, yeah, my brother used to listen to Cannibal Corpse. They had one or two decent songs. I'm like, how do you tell the difference between their songs? Like, I'm not knocking. I know there's people who like this, but like, I guarantee people who even like, you know, thrash metal can't tell the difference. We're joking. Oh, no, I was hypo negative. They are all the same. Like, but, but that's th the thing. It's, it's, it's the genres of music. Like it's country and metal, which are kind of like everyone's like, oh, I like all types of music. But like metal, like, again, no disrespect to metalheads. Like, I cannot tell the difference. Like, a Marilyn Manson song, yeah, because Marilyn Manson, I feel, has more, I guess, lyrics and, and actual tunes and stuff, whereas these are just like... It's funny you said that about Marilyn Ow. Manson. There was, there was one point... <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim Carrey had to do that. We'll get how, to that in a second. How do but, these uh... singers survive? That hurts my throat after, like, five seconds. Ugh. When you said Marilyn Manson, it's funny because I remember somebody uh, somebody was staying with us, like, you know, uh, one of the many borders my mom took in. And they were listening to Marilyn Manson. And I thought that our pipes, there was something wrong with our pipes and somebody was running water in the kitchen. But what's going on with the water? And they were just listening to Marilyn Manson. But uh, so yeah, say Marilyn later Manson on, Marilyn... was in your house. I'm like, well, do you have a lawsuit waiting? <laughs> um, Jim Carrey must be a thrash metal guy, though, because even the, the music they have, like that kind of detective music, they said they wanted to take like the 60s detective style music and combine it with thrash metal, which they said we toned it down quite a bit because there are points where the, the score they had was too loud and too obnoxious. But that was a Jim Carrey suggestion. And then the uh, I don't know if it was this scene or there's a later scene where he comes back here to talk to the same double glasses guy. But that TV edit that had like the extra tank scene. I, I thought it was in this version of the movie because I've seen enough on TV where Ace is running from somebody in the middle of this concert. And it might've been, he comes back to the same club and he jumps up on stage and he crowd surfs and then he gets thrown back on stage. He loses his shirt. And then he just grabs the microphone and starts doing the, like you have Jim Carrey singing hmm. to you know, a cannibal corpse or whatever, which I always thought was just a hilarious scene. Never they probably shouldn't that. have cut from the movie. It's, it's you can probably find it online because it was on like the the, the TV we, edits of this. We're gonna have that in a couple of weeks when we do Dumb and Dumber because like I've got this weird version of it where they've they've added like all these extra scenes to it. When I yeah. watched my version of it, I'd never seen like there's an extended bathtub scene, all this other stuff which I'd never seen. And to be honest with you, I don't like the version I've got because it kind of makes the characters worse. Um, but anyway, mm. we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But I'd I'd like to see that edit of this. Like I've never seen that. I mean, of the, of the, I think there's three deleted scenes he's shown on TV. One of them was when he was, how he found Finkel's house. He like goes into some, you know, really run down bar and that scene kind of drags on forever. But the, the, this cannibal corpse one where he's on stage, I remember just thinking it was hilarious. Uh, the, the party scene is so good. Uh, just like he was doing the dance to uh, uh, cannibal oh, corpse. Do, doing this dinner. Pizza. Um, doing the, uh, the, 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 what dance he, he's basically doing, like what he should be dancing at the cannibal corpse concert 
when he's in the chamber music that's <laughs> playing in the background of the party scene, he's like throwing his head around and everything. Um, the uh, uh, the thing that I didn't get until I was much older was this monologue he has when he meets the billionaire the first time where he's talking about people who, oh, I specialize when I'm at Stanford Law. I love you pause it. Stanford Law uh, <laughs> is people who sue rich millionaires in their parties for hors d'oeuvres to make them sick or whatever. I, I don't know. I just tuned out. I didn't get what he was talking about. And then he immediately says, oh, look, the hors d'oeuvres. And that's what he's he's trying to imply. I'm going to sue you to make this guy nervous or whatever. I never got that. Um, I'm ashamed of you, Ben. You don't recognize this guy here who plays Ronald Camp, the billionaire? No. Is this like so, Gustav Graves from Die Another Day or something? Is it Madonna? Well, uh. <laughs> yes, exactly. This guy starred in two Madonna music videos for Erotica and Deeper and Deeper. Oh. Um, he was apparently in her sex book. Literally that she in had. her because... <laughs> uh, he he he's an actor who'd done like a lot of like classic horror movies and everything. He was even in uh, the first Blade movie, which is the thing I recognize him from. But he did two Madonna music videos. Apparently, he also did a music video for Corn, "Make Me Bad," "Eve's Let Me Blow Your Mind." That's a good song, but yeah, I, I don't song. remember him in that video. Um, and a, a German band called Rafauser, not Ramstein, Rafauser. Uh, uh, yeah, this guy's a big music video guy, but two Madonna videos, and you don't recognize well, him. Well, I, I love when you go to his um, page and you read about it, and it goes, personal life. Kiri's gay. And <laughs> okay, you did straight to the point, Wikipedia. And Madonna's uh, sitting there brushing her teeth. Oh! <laughs> hey, I just saw her twice in concert, Colin. Uh, she's she's not afraid to be doing things on stage still at the age she is. But um, you you would have. Uh, I mean, you didn't. Your um, I don't know. Rodica wouldn't have been in the. What year are you listening to? Nineteen ninety four music or whatever it is. Yeah, it yeah. would have. I think that was before, before that, right? Yeah. No, you you you. Like, I, I, I can hear the songs. by Erotica. That's sick. But it's funny when I saw this guy, even when we watched Blade recently, I I had flashes of I, does this guy have like Madonna videos or something? So like because <laughs> he did a he did a couple Call of the them. Man. So he was <laughs> he, he was he he was well known for I guess being a Madonna guy. Uh, kind of like how Alicia Silverstone did like those three Aerosmith videos. You know that they I guess were sort of copying the idea that Madonna had this one guy in multiple videos. Um, yeah, this whole party scene with like the Mission Impossible, as I mentioned, like him just climbing on the the railing for two steps and then attaching himself to the wall. I love what they do later on. I'm jumping ahead here. What they do later on with the same type of gag where he's in the little raft and he takes that <laughs> fan out to go two feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the the shark scene, uh, little details that like you have to watch this closely to get. Because you think he's just being thrown around by a rig, which he is, and it's obviously imitating like the opening scene of Jaws. But the thing that I never caught until now, because it's when it's actually played in fast motion, is that Jim Carrey does like a legitimate like Olympic breaststroke yeah. in the middle of that. So he's going back and forth. He's doing a real breaststroke. And it's, oh, I thought that was so funny. Um, my single favorite line of this entire movie is when they come out of there and the, the billionaire guy's like, I'm very sorry, I'll have the plumbing checked immediately. And he's like, as you should, if I had been drinking with a I might have been killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love that line so much. Um, the montage scene, speaking of Aerosmith, uh, that yeah, their song line up here, uh, the montage scene here. I used to love this song. Just the entire Aerosmith album, Get a Grip, that was like their... They had had comebacks before this, but I mean, that was kind of them, like their their biggest one ever. And uh, this I'm song, a, I, used to a, I don't want to miss a thing. We'll talk about that later in the year, Colin. Yeah, well, well crying and amazing. Like this was that album with all those Alicia Silverstone like songs. Lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we this is our second Aerosmith. Uh, we're gonna have three Aerosmiths in a year. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the first ever, year. one of the first singles I ever bought was "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing." So, no, really, yeah. I think it might um, have been the second single. First single I ever got was "Couple Life" by Ricky Martin, and then I think it erotica. might have been. And I was no. I was like six when Erotica came out. Colin, <laughs> come on, too old for me. Uh, yeah, this montage is so good. Like everything they do in here is just one laugh after the other. I think probably the, the, the two that make me laugh the hardest is the mailbox one because they just you don't know what's going on the guy starts struggling he go inside and he's got like that i don't know if it's like a jeweler's goggle mm. or something on and he's got the lighter and he's like pulling the guy's arm uh the, the urinal is it is funny like uh, yes could you get away with that now but it's still it's kind of funny and this guy apparently a big nfl star and he was okay with doing this this little joke in the movie and a lot of these guys are the real nfl stars um, but my favorite is the, the chloroform, the one guy he can't catch up to on the track where he jumps on and chloroforms him and tackles him to the ground. I like the um, little, I like it when he's got all the pimples on his face and he's just like, mm. yeah, <laughs> apparently that was Jim Carrey's favorite one to do too. He was very excited about that. Uh, and then the arm wrestling thing too, with the <laughs> terrible fake beard, <laughs> <laughs> he gets thrown across the room. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the the sulking scene with Courtney Cox too. The why don't you cry about it too? And uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you're ugly. The, the the best part of that scene though is where she says, "You know what? You're offending me now. I think you could leave." He goes, "Why? So you could beat him?" <laughs> was that ad libbed or was that in the script? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Um, but uh, the 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 next scene that they have, which I don't I don't think we're no, that is the one that's coming up here where they find Finkel's picture on the wall and everything. Uh, that one, the, the, the line that's still in there where she says, uh, so why is it you love animals? So these two scenes they put in here because the studio was very concerned that when they were seeing dailies, they're like, this guy is, he's a cartoon character. We need him to be a human. You need to humanize this character in some way. And they basically said, settled for, we're going to put in the one scene where after Courtney Cox storms off, he comes and he's like, oh, I feel bad now. And he comes, oh, are you okay? That's where she finds out that Roger died and everything. And then the scene uh, where there, it, it was meant to be to appease the executives where he's telling the story about, oh, when I, you know, I had this dream about being chased by a bear and stuff like that. But then it ends up being, he's just playing a joke on her. But that scene, the, the line where, um, where it says, what is it you love about, you really love animals, don't you? He goes, if it gets cold enough. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the scripted line, but that was the scene where Tom Shadiak had to leave because Every single take they did, Jim Carrey would come up with something after that. It's like, well, this one time when I was drunk, and <laughs> it was late at night. Every single time he did something different. and But the, the one they decided to keep was the one that was actually scripted in the movie. Um, yeah, the, the, the apartment scene here. So this is another one where they had, you know, let's just call him a first time director because I guess that TV movie doesn't really count. Uh, they're filming this in a real apartment that had no air conditioning. And it's nighttime, but it's Los, uh, not Los Angeles, Miami uh, in the middle of the summer or whatever. And they had no idea with that many people in there, plus camera equipment, how hot it would get. As uh, it, it was just kind of a coincidence, the earlier scene where they had the the the, the tank scene and you had the players in the background, those that, that real Dolphin players. One of those players who already had been on the set when they were filming that previous scene just happened to live next door to Roger Pedactor's fake apartment. Hmm. And so in between takes they would bring groups of people over into his air-conditioned apartment because it was so hot that nobody could focus. So an actual Dolphins player just happened to live next door to this apartment they rented out to film the scene, and he let them come over and use his air-conditioning in the Why middle of filming. they just use his apartment? They, yeah, I guess they <laughs> could have just... Can we just move the whole thing over here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not paying an electrical bill for that, no. Uh, 
Yeah, so this scene where they find Finkel, I, I, this is probably the two biggest stretches in this movie. Uh, one of them is obvious, catching a bullet with his teeth. I once caught, caught a bullet. I once caught a bullet. I once caught a bullet. But uh, next year. it's the fact that like he is like, I don't know, 20 feet away from the Who's that? <laughs> and it's like the tiniest person on the wall. But also, if you look at that picture, like it is the most Photoshop looking image you've yeah. ever seen because they've obviously taken a real picture or everything. Uh, but that's actually Sean Young. They they made her up with a wig and a fake mustache. Yeah. And uh, I so mean, that it looks very... image of when you say the right Finkel one that he's Sean Young. Yeah, so. that's oh. her in costume as a it's man. Very well done. Right like, like I always just thought that was a man. So well done. Yeah, me too. I, I assumed that like they cast you know uh, somebody who looked like a male Sean Young or something like that. Uh, but it's actually her playing that role or whatever. She lost out on Catwoman, but she got to play a man. That's her <laughs> consolation. Um. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the the line of when she goes to the house with uh, the and a clean pair of underpants or whatever, and then that, that lady with a uh, gonorrhea, or whatever. <laughs> that may her. be that that may be like one of the best lines in the movie. And again, like completely serious actress who's delivering this line. And I just love that she's like, "He'll be home in a couple of minutes." Like she always thinks he's gonna be home in a couple of minutes. Uh, they they did worry that like uh, Dan Marino would get offended when they had like die Dan die everywhere in it. I don't know why they thought that like Dan Marino was getting paid to do this movie and probably hears this from the media and fans all the time <laughs> would get offended. They would have die Dan die on the wall here. Uh, I wonder what this uh, footage they use is too because it's obviously I mean maybe it was just some random kick and they sort of like edit everything together here. It's pretty but, like uh, it's, I, I, I don't, I mean, again, I don't know enough about historical NFL footage to know, but like, to me, the way they edit this is weird. Like it, it, it doesn't, cause you don't actually it, see. It like, does feel real. Yeah. Like the way you kind of see it, like cut and then miss. And then it's, just, it's very odd. I'm, I'm surprised they honestly it, just didn't use like footage from the real Super Bowl with the bills one. And then just superimposed jerseys on there or something like that. You know, it kind of reminds it's it's like when you watch footage from old Olympics before they had mm. you know all the the things recorded where you're just hearing the commentary which they preserve, but then the rest of the stuff is just spliced together. Yeah. Um the the scene in Lois's office here, uh, where he drops Finkel's name for the first time. Like there's a lot of great little lines in here when she she says, I'm going into the bathroom. When I get out, you better not be here. Is it number one or number two? <laughs> I just want to know how much time I am. Yeah. Uh I not even thinking that we'd watch the movie, I use that to Jamie the next because our kids, you can't leave them alone for one. Like legitimately, you one of them will escape if you leave them alone. So somebody's always going to be on guard. And Jamie's like, "All right, uh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom for a minute. I'll be back in a minute." And I asked Yasser, "Is it number one or number two? I need to know how much time I do have." You, and then we watch the movie. Do you have like I don't know if like I was talking to you about this or somebody else recently, but do you sometimes just you say quotes that you don't actually realize are from movies that you say? Yeah. So like like and this isn't me just trying to bring up the great movie that's Eddie because I love that movie. But there was literally, I think I told this on air recently, but I'm saying it again, whatever. Um, I literally, the line she says in that movie, um, go fuck yourself and the horse you rode upon. I said that like, I, I don't usually say it to people. I say it to myself. I don't know. I just talk to myself. But then when like that line was said in the movie, I'm like, I say that line all the time. I thought that was just a weird line that I just said. I didn't realize that was from Eddie. The, <laughs> the, the yummy the yummy line in this movie. Like I've said it like that before. Yummy. yummy. You know, and, and not even realize it was a Jim Carrey thing. Um uh, which I don't know how it, the, the, Jim Carrey just he developed a voice and a delivery with this mm. that became so imitated. There's a, a guy if we ever do Liar Liar, there's a guy who's in Liar Liar. I think he plays like an intern or something like that. And 
that guy uh, had been on Home Improvement, and he he had a recurring role, and he always he always used to bother me on Home Improvement because you could tell he was just doing a Jim Carrey impression. So then when I saw him in a Jim Carrey movie, I'm like like. Did Jim Carrey like his impression? He said, "I want to give this guy a Which job." Which one but... was he in? What did he do? Oh, I don't remember. I'll have to. I'll have to look him up here. Um, but uh, um, yeah, like it, this just became like so many comedians. Uh, y- you look at who's the guy? He was in the Scream movies too. Um, David Arquette. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, he was like a big deal for a while. He did that oh, one where he Jamie was like Kennedy? a for... Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, he did like, it. Jamie he Kennedy. was the mask. He did the stupid yeah. sequel to the mask. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I wasn't even thinking about that movie. I was thinking about the one where he played like the pretty fly for the white guy type guy or oh, whatever yeah, yeah. that was. Or, and he had where, the, again, the Jamie like, Kennedy very... experiment, like a sketch show. I used to watch yeah. that. That was funny. Like there's there's a lot of those people who came after this who just took every mannerism Jim Carrey had, like the way he delivered it, the facial expressions. Like this just became a new style of comedy. So when I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking to myself, you know, is this such a revolutionary movie? But then I think about everything that followed this, not just Jim Carrey's career, but everything that followed this and how he really did change comedy with this movie, where I feel like I give it a lot more credit now. There's, I mean, there's, I, th- I think the channel's called Nerd- Nerdstalgic. They do some really good videos. Um, and they, one of the ones they do is kind of like, uh, they do a series on actors that you can't replace, you can't recast. And they do a mm-hmm. Jim Carrey one. Um, and they sort of go into just his type of comedy. And then they talk about like, you know, mentioning that Jim Carrey doesn't do sequels. They still did, you know, a terrible sequel to this, like a junior one like in 2009. Then they did the mm-hmm. uh, the Son of the Mask and then they did Dumb and Dumber. Son of Ace Ventura. Yeah, like they just, they do all these stupid ones that the actors in, like when I saw like two minutes of that Dumb and Dumber sequel, like not the actual oh, one, the whatever that, I got. when Harry met Lloyd or whatever it was. And yeah, just the prequel. They're just clearly trying to be Jim Carrey. And like, I mean, I I get it. I, I was going to get into this next week, but like I, I have not been able to bring myself to watch any of those sequels without him. Same. Exactly but the, the, same. Anim- the animated shows, I watched all three of them, like Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Ace Ventura's animated shows. Yeah, I, I watched some of them, but I, I think we've talked about this before when we've talked about these shows, like the Mighty Ducks TV show. Like I just, I never could get into them because to me they just weren't the movie. Um, mm-hmm. and so, but like, yeah, like I, I never touched Son of the Mask. I'm like, no, that looks horrible. Uh, I, yeah, like two minutes of when Harry met Lloyd. I'm like, nah, can't do it. It's like, I think we talked about in the George of the Jungle episode a few years ago when they did George of the Jungle 2. Oh I yeah. I literally remember renting that going, okay, let's give it a chance. And within like two seconds when they make the joke of, oh yes. And we couldn't afford Brendan Fraser for this movie. I'm like, nah, I'm done. I remember like my friend and I, we, this was a DVD we rented from a store. We had to return this. We took the disc out and threw it across the room and we're like treading on it. Oh, this is shit. And we returned it. We never got fined. But anyway, um, had you done with your section there? Or oh yeah, I'm pretty much done with that now. Oh, I, I guess I'll, let me quickly talk about the 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 sex scene uh, with Courtney Cox. Um, th- this again, it's it's meant to be a comedy, so I get that. But if you're actually watching the way the bed's rocking back and forth, this is like a very Tommy Wiseau thing, <laughs> where they're literally just lying like comatose as the bed's rocking back and forth. The one time Jim Carrey didn't put anything physical into the the comedy in a movie, um, yeah, that that's all I really have to add on that. There, there are just some people like I, I'm all for sex, but they're like sometimes when you're watching movies and TV shows, there are just some people you just actors you don't want to see in a sex scene. Like I don't know why. Like it just to me, Jim Carrey and Courtney Cox are two of those people. So like again, I'm all for a sex scene. Don't get me wrong, but even, when I watch this scene, I kind of get a bit like you know when you were younger and you'd watch a movie or a TV show and your parents in the room and there's like a sex scene, you feel a bit awkward yeah. and uncomfortable. I still get uncomfortable in this scene because I'm just like, kind of don't want to. Uh, Jim Carrey and Courtney Cox have sex. I don't know why. Yeah, 
No, I get it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a bit weirded out by that. Um, so I, one thing I'll say, like I, when you watch this movie again and you sort of know the twist, like again, watch Sean Young and just the way, like when Jim Carrey's like, when Nathan Trier is like pointing out all these things and you can kind of just see her like being shifty and like, even in the apartment scene before uh, that, like kind of, you just, once you know that she's obviously behind all this, like I think Sean Young does a good job of kind of being shifty and being all like, oh, you know, like, okay. Um, so this is where we're going to get Jim Carrey getting committed to a mental asylum. I always, I never got this, so this scene when he like shows up to Melissa's house at three in the morning and was like, I need you to commit me. As a kid, I just always thought that was just a, a random scene of Jim Carrey wanting to have sex again. So he's just like showed up at three in the morning, like, and I just thought, okay, cool. They're having sex. Now they're at a mental institution. Uh, now I get it. Is that, is that why you didn't get laid till you were like 25? Cause that was your pickup line. Hey, you. I would like you to commit me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you, Colin. Um, <laughs> you can lose your virginity in your teenage years, just to point that out. Um, anyway, uh, yes, but that is the truth. You, you caught me. Uh, but this is one of my favourite bits when Ace Ventura is the football player in a dress. And I used to always try and do this, like the bit when he's like doing the, the I'm going to do this. It's super slow-mo. And he's like running along and he's into this doctor. Let's do that. An instant replay. And I love this actor, the doctor guy, who just like oh, yeah. plays it so straight. Again, I can't imagine there's not bloopers of this. Um, and even like there's a bit you see like when you if you look at Courtney Cox, there's a bit like so many bits where she's clearly trying not to laugh, and you just kind of see her trying to like hold it in. So I, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I, I I completely forgot about this this doctor. Uh, Where he's going to be our guy of the year because we will talk about him twice God, next month yeah, as well. Doctor from Ace Ventura, because this guy this is the guy that plays the mayor in the first two Ghostbusters movies. Oh. So we're going to be as busy with him as we are with Jim Carrey in the next month and a half. See, that shows how little I know about the Ghostbusters movies. <laughs> I don't even know who this guy is, but good for him. Don't know Madonna people in this movie. The mayor from Ghostbusters. Um, can I just point out, uh, we, we'll talk more about this on 007, just quickly, just Madonna reference. Uh, one of the two nights that I saw her, the night that I was on the floor, when Die Another Day started, uh, I literally overheard a person going, oh, she's doing this song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, okay, yep. But then the second night, everyone proceeded was... To, proceed to walk out like the seven-year-old in the eighth I don't have time, brothers. Everybody was like dancing and going crazy the second night. So people who bought the cheap seats the second night like I did, they were loving it. People on the floor, oh, this song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, this is basically Ace Ventura breaks into the room, uh, finds the uh, the box with uh, all the stuff in it, and he finds the newspaper article where we see body of missing woman Lois Einhorn, a hiker missing since Friday. And he's all like, huh. Like, what's this got to do with anything? Um, so he sends Tone Lock to find a note. We find that uh, Roger Padacter has sent her a note going like, nice night. I, don't you love the 90s when you used to have stationery that have at the top, like, from the desk of Roger Padacter? <laughs> yeah, and, but, but what I love about this is that they didn't even have time to put from the desk of. It just says Roger Padacter <laughs> at the top. Like, who has letterhead that just says their name? He's straight to the point, man. He's like, I don't need from the desk of. People know who I am. Roger Padacter. Um, so Ace is now in his apartment, basically. Like, I'm like, oh, where's where's the uh, connection here? Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. I love this, like, monkey that's walking around the apartment, like, thinking and dancing. 
And then eventually he yells at a dog. The dog falls down. The dog's fur falls on the face. And he looks at it and he realizes, oh my God, Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Einhorn is Finkel. And then this is where we get the crying game, the controversial bit because he's going over the top because he's kissed a man. So he's vomiting and putting stuff in his mouth and burning his clothes. And look, I've never seen the crying game. I know sort of what it's about. I know that in hindsight, 30 years later, it doesn't hold up well. But like, is this a scene where like in the movie, he's like burning his clothes and showering? Like, is this meant to be a direct parody of the crying game? No, if you don't mind me cutting in here, I'll talk about the controversy. Cut in, Um, Colin. I will. Um, This is why I feel like even those comments about Jim Carrey saying like, I wanted to play it very... I, I do think that they intentionally wanted to make him such a macho James Bond like guy. Like, what would mortify James Bond? If you're playing average Joe, if you're playing Stanley Ipkiss, he's not going to care. You know, if you're playing a Ventura James Bond like guy, this is something that would hit him harder. But this is like direct parody of a crying game, which I saw it once like a year or two ago. Um, and the song that's even playing. Is when he's game. bringing his clothes, it's the song for the crying. So game. I know that song more than the movie. Is, like that, I think my parents used yeah. to listen to that song. Yeah, but like this is why I feel like anybody criticizing this sequence is kind of off base. If you were to do a parody, I don't think the scary movies ever did this, but let's say you're doing a parody of a horror movie, and in your parody of a horror movie, you kill the black guy first. Are you being racist in doing that, or are you making a joke about a movie? It's, they are literally just parodying. A movie, and and the reason they did it like this was because it was in the this was never in the script. They were filming this movie when the Crying Game came out, and when it came out, they're like, "Oh, we actually had that same twist where it turns out that it's a guy, right?" So they're like, "The Crying Game beat us to our own game. Let's parody the Crying Game in this movie." So I feel like there's a lot of harsh criticism towards the scene, which is literally only meant to be a parody of something that already existed. Look, I I get what you're saying and like i'm not here to I'll, I'll just play the devil's advocate i mean i can see like in hindsight certain films don't hold up after certain times when we you know get more educated oh. and and certain people get more things like there's plenty of examples from the 90s and prior than that like and i think that like you're not going to do this today let's just say that and i think that i, yeah. I read well, i read like sort of like a retrospective about sort of the trans community and they were criticizing this and the crying game the crying game I mean, is gets criticized as well for oh, what yeah. it did it's I think, like, I get, like, it is a direct parody, absolutely. But do they maybe go a bit too far? Yeah, maybe. But again, it's it's a comedy from the 90s. Like, it's kind of like your drunk uncle at a party is going to be racist. It's like, oh, Uncle Colin, Uncle Noah. See, <laughs> see I, I, Happy I don't birthday, think that Noah, you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that you could do this today, but I feel like this almost works better today because it's playing the other side of the argument. Why this was so controversial in 1994 was because you were coming off the crying game, which in turn was coming off the silence of the lambs. So you've basically had three movies in a row that are portraying a transgender character that is a psychopath and a villain. And Mm. even, even back in 1991, when the silence of the lambs came out, there was controversy about that because there are people saying, if the only representation we have in film is we're the bad guys, what are you doing? Whereas if you were to do this now, it's kind of that argument we make where people say that like, uh, oh, well, you can't, if you have like the the woman be the bad guy in a movie, it's like, well, yeah, but those are the best roles. Like sometimes you want to have a complex character, but 
at this time period, 1994, I get the controversy because of what came before this and that there was nothing positive. I feel like yeah. this is the most innocent to those three, though. No, I agree, but I, I think that's the issue. That thereby is the issue when you're when you've got an entire community that say you're you're represented in a in a certain light and you're not getting any yeah. positive. You know, we're seeing that change. I mean, there was like a whole thing wasn't there around um, uh, the Da Vinci Code. I remember like. Um, the albino community were like, well, why are we always oh, evil? Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's kind of, and like, but I can get that. Like, I mean, this is two straight white guys talking on a podcast right now about the fact of representation. This is clearly going down well, well. but it's the point is if we were always, I mean, we are now, we are always <laughs> evil in the movie. I'm talking about journalists and cat lovers on this show. I'm offended. We're always but evil. Like, it, in all honesty, I've complained about how they're for the longest time. If you had Canadian, like what was my issue with Dudley Do-Right? I'm like, yeah. Growing up, anytime Americans portrayed Canadians, we were like these maple syrup drinking, dog sled driving Mounties. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was a stereotype at the time. So I'm not saying I would take the same offense to that as somebody from the trans community would, but like, I, I feel like this movie, the other part of it is that they are playing this as this character would. And, and let's be honest, if I were to find out, let Jamie, it hasn't happened, right? So it's not going to happen. But if I were to find Good out that Jamie man. actually was. A, if if I find out that she actually has something, you know, uh, hidden back there, uh, you never looked down there. So you don't know. Never seen you. Never had seen him from behind before. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry to say, I I would probably get a little bit grossed out, and that is a personal preference thing. It's not about being a. You're, you're not offended if somebody else is gay, but if that's not me, then it's going to gross me out the same as if I were to kiss Ben. You know, if if I were to find out, if I were to let's say I'm not married with Jamie and. I'm with Jennifer Garner, and then one day Jennifer Garner takes off a mask, and it's actually Ben underneath. I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to take a plunger to my face, and I'm going to be brushing my teeth and puking in the toilet. But if it's Ben Affleck, you're fine with it. Well, <laughs> that, you wouldn't have missed that dong, though. That never would have happened. True. That's going up his back. That's not just like hanging your, your 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 Tommy gun is in my hip. <laughs> oh, yes. We love the Oz Network debating social issues. We fit so well into that. Um, very, very good. But Naked Jim Carrey, did Jamie comment on Naked Jim Carrey? She, the only thing I've ever heard her comment on was uh, talking about, you know, growing up, she'd talk about people that other people would say are attractive. Not like Jim Carrey was ever considered a sex symbol, but she's like, yeah, you know, there, if there are people who are ever say like Jim Carrey is attractive, it's like, I just can't see it. I think, wasn't he in like a, I don't even think he was sexiest man of the year, but like, I'm pretty sure he was in one of those most beautiful people issue things. Like, he's not unattractive. I'm not saying Jim yeah, Carrey's. Uh, but like, it's, it's the persona, right? Yeah. Like when you have somebody who's so known for being goofy and over the top, that's the way you see them, I think. And then I think that's our first goofy reference for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, sorry it took this long. I do I, I do love like the bit when he's got all the gum in his mouth and like, your gun sticking into my head. Um, again, like uh, plot, this is a movie that you don't really point out plot holes with because it's just a dumb comedy and it's brilliant. But, like, I love the fact that kind of Lois slash Ray's whole plan here is to kidnap Dan Marino and the, like, what is actually her, like, we know her motive, but what's her plan? Like, there's never, like, a ransom. There's never, like, a am going to kill them or, oh, by the time the Super Bowl is over, I will get my revenge. It's just literally she's kidnapped them. Uh, she's torturing a dolphin with goons throwing balls at them and Dan Marino's tied up. Like, I'm like, what? what? Yeah, like. If it was that she wanted to kill them, that yeah. would make a lot more sense. But that's never really part of it. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I just, like, I, th I think this is the first time I've ever watched this movie going, like, huh, so, like, why? Like, I get her revenge, but, like, what's her actual plan here? 
Um, so I love like just this whole like the laces out, like laces out, like because uh, that's the whole reason why she apparently missed the kick is because the ball was like around the wrong way. Which let's be honest. If that's the case, if they've trained for this and that's what she wants, yeah, die, Dan, die. Like, I mean, seriously, you fucked up, mate. Uh, I can see why she's but a like, bit shitty. Small details. Before he even realizes this is Finkel, when Lois is ranting about the laces being out, you can see Dan Marino in the background looking at Ace and be like, no, that's not the way it went. Like, <laughs> like as if he knows this is her excuse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. But props, props to Sean Young. Uh, it's a new props to Brendan Fraser. Um, which, can I just point out? We'll get to see him present an Academy Award soon. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this time a year ago, we lived in a pre Brendan Fraser Oscar world, but we get to see him present who's winning Best Actress this year. Yeah, who's nominated? I've already forgotten. Yeah, me too. Uh, coming soon, Oscars month, by the way. Is that the one that... Uh, I was going to say, is that one where Robbie Dowdy Jr. is going to win it? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> different different category. Uh, is Emma Stone? <laughs> she's up She's up quite popular, highly. Uh, up, isn't she? So Annette, Annette Bedding, Lily oh. Gladstone. Oh, Lily Gladstone oh, probably Gladstone. from Killers of yeah. Flower Moon, okay. yeah. Don't know much about her, but Brendan Fraser and Lily Gladstone, why not? Um, the, now, this is so when Ace is breaking into this facility, so he's followed uh, Lois. We've got these goons throwing balls at Snowflake because they're evil, because, you know, why not? Um, this is where he gets, like, the James Bond impression, right? It's like... What, is it, what does he say? Like, uh, lovely party. Pretty I wasn't invited. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is meant to be James Bond, right? Like, that's meant to 100%, be Connery? 100%. Yeah, that's Connery. Okay. But that's not a line from a Bond movie, is it? No, I think he's just doing a Sean Connery voice. Because I'm literally racking my brain going, I should know this. What Bond movie is this from? And I'm like, he doesn't say that. But like, that's totally meant to be Connery. Was it Octopussy? <laughs> never, never remember that one. Never, never say never again, clearly. Um, also, does Ace Ventura kill people here? Because when he drops the giant hook and oh, knocks yeah. these people out... You never see them again, and they're dead. Okay, like, so best bit of trivia. I, I There's no footage that exists to this, but Tom Shadek in the commentary says that they shot this and screened it for an audience where their heads come off. He decapitates them. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. the, audience, the audience turned on that. Like, it was done to be over the top, right? But they're like, it didn't fit the style of the movie. The audience did not like it at all, so we cut it completely. We basically, literally cut the shot before they're hit. But it was shot and in the script that he takes their heads off there and commits murder. Okay. Well, I mean, clearly. I mean, you're not getting hit in the head with something that big and surviving. Um, I mean, unless you're at home alone. Well, that's, that is a cartoon, let's be honest. Um, so, anyway, he's about to rescue Dan Marino. Lois comes in. I love I love her, like, penalty, too many men on the field. <laughs> like, that's kind of clever. Um, so, she calls it in that Ace is the one who's, uh, who's kidnapped Dan Marino and behind everything. I love it when you get like Melissa and Tone Lock like running along and it's like, it's okay, don't worry. Ace is a man, he never cracks under pressure. And you cut through, please don't kill me. <laughs> With like a gun to his head. That's so funny. But then I also love like the back and forth that you're going to get like here. So when all the cops and everybody show up um, and then you sort of got this whole section where Ace is getting beaten up by uh, Lois uh, you know, comment, maybe not great. Oh, what's the matter? They're having trouble with the lady ace. Um, and then this is where we get the whole standoff between the pair of them. And it's like, this is a man. And it's like, would a real uh, woman have a pair of these? <laughs> would a real woman have, oh, that's really stuck on there. Um, but I also love like the back and forth between Dan Marino and Ace Ventura. <laughs> just like, go. I can't remember what they say to each other, but it's just funny. Those like their back and forth. But then this is, I, I honestly never got this scene as a kid. So, like, when 
he rips the pants off and it's like, oh, but would a real woman have one of these? And you kind of see it like the front. And you actually like see her like, it's kind of clever. Like you see her like pinching her legs. She's got her legs tucked. Yeah. Which is like the scary movie with a bit where one of the Wayans brothers like tucks it in his dick. And it's anyway, funny. Um, So and then you've got like Dan Marino like pointing out going like, "Uh, yeah, like behind you. So then like, he's like, oh, well, you know, she might be a woman, but she's also got the most serious case of hemorrhoids ever. So she like turn, he turns her around and then you see obviously like there's Mr. Winky like hanging out from behind. <laughs> but like as a kid, I always thought that she had gotten like surgery to put the yes, penis. me too. Right? Like I for some reason thought that this was like a surgery where the dick was put on behind. And like I yeah. never understood it. I'm like. Huh? Why would you get the dick put behind you? Like it doesn't—it doesn't make sense. This is very Jerry Seinfeld. Why would you get the dick put behind you? Like who gets the dick and puts it behind you? But like I'm glad that's not just me. Like mm-hmm. the little bit. Like it's clear as day now. You can see she's just tucking it in, and there's you know the doodle sticking out from behind. We get more crying game. Everybody's like you know vomiting. Which the one that always makes you laugh is Snowflakes doing it. Yeah, like, she's been making out with the dolphin. Um, and then <laughs> always uh, one, a random line I used to always say. So when like Ace and is just like standing on the post and then she's like trying to stab him and he's like, quick decision. And then just, yeah. like, I used to always go quick decision. <laughs> and just like flicks her into the water. Um, and then we get to the Super Bowl again. It's obviously the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Miami Dolphins because it's a green and white team with an Eagle as a mascot. Clearly they could only get the licensing for the, uh, the Dolphins and couldn't get the Eagles, but uh, clear as day. We'll say uh, the um, Dolphins did not make the Super Bowl that year. It was between the San Diego Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers, and the 49ers won. So maybe it's a good omen that we're doing this because the 49ers play on Sunday. If you're listening, Jimmy, there is team. Fucking beat Kansas because fuck Kansas. Um, and then, yeah, this sort of scene at the end where he's making out with Melissa and beats up an eagle because he sees the albino pigeon and Tone Lock is flirting with cheerleaders cheerleaders and we yeah. ended out with a tone lock song which as yeah. of course you would ace ventura pet detective and scene um yeah so first of all the uh, all the uh, animals one thing i forgot earlier with the the sex scene with courtney cox was that uh uh apparently she has a fear of monkeys now i i find this funny <laughs> because <doesn't? laughs> friends yeah she Marcel. have like half of her half of her scenes with a monkey you know? well, well ross uh, did i don't know i don't know if she had many but scenes like in, but yeah. like that monkey was very prominently featured for several seasons is what i the, mean it was you know? the, uh, the um the what was the um freaking movie we did the, outbreak the outbreak thank you the outbreak monkey yeah yeah but but that, what's funny is that you have so many of those animals in there you got lizards and stuff like that but the monkey was the one that scared her <laughs> uh and then she ends up co-starring with a monkey for several years after this um yeah, I, I like when uh, uh, Ace's uh, that that trick shot where you got the dog's hair, mm. where he realizes Finkel and Einhorn. But the other part where he's just lying there and he's letting the the bird eat out of his belly button, yeah, he's yeah. just got bird seed in his yeah. belly button. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, like I already said my piece on this. You know, it's a parody of the Crying Game. Uh, th- this twist was originally meant to be like when when Tom Shadak before he came on as the director when he was just the guy polishing the script. He had originally written this so that it was, or rewritten the script that already existed. So this was going to be, she was the sister. And then he had this idea, literally the day he got hired as the director, what if we actually just made it like a sex change or whatever? Uh, never intended for this to be a homophobic. I, I do believe them. They didn't intend this for B. I, I think, again, the time period is wrong and all that. But uh, is this not like... If anybody is offended, this uh, put your whether you're offended aside... 
is this not some of the most hilarious stuff Jim Carrey does in the movie, especially him crawling into the bathtub and just sobbing? No, <laughs> like that's it's funny stuff. Like I can't help. I know I feel bad because there are people who get offended with this, but like I can't help but laugh. It's so good. I, I, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's like just over the top and hilarious. I, I, the thing that I just will say is that it actually, like you read about it, like this again, caused controversy in 1994, which yeah. Again, like people think this is just a modern interpretation of this film that like this is just now in a modern lens. Like if we ever did the air up there from 1994, the white savior complex about why that movie is so yeah. controversial now. But like, no, this was controversial back in 1994 when it was released. So mm-hmm. there were people back then fighting for this sort of stuff. It's not just a modern thing, kids. You didn't invent wokeness. <laughs> people were woke yeah, in yeah. 1994. I just feel bad because when I look up reviews for me, like fan reviews of this movie, there are people who will comment, oh, it's all good until it gets very homophobic at the end. And it's like, but it's not homophobic. Like, and for another thing, we don't know that like Einhorn is not from, from everything I gather in this movie, this is just supposed to be a disguise. Like, cause there was a real story about a, a guy who literally evaded authorities by becoming a woman, not, not because he wanted to become a woman because like I can pass as a woman. This is how I'm going to do it. Right. And, and I always sort of read this movie is it's not that like Lois or or Finkel or whatever is actually a gay or had had a sex change. That's why, you know, the, the Mr. Winky still there. <laughs> and even when you read like the write up on Wikipedia, I think they even specifically write it as having disguised himself as Lois Einhorn. Like, I feel like this movie is not supposed to be implying anything other than that. This is how he kept his identity secret. Yeah, no, I agree. But for the most part, but I mean, obviously he's still gotten some form of surgery. He's got breasts. Um, yeah. Also, Which, sounds uh, like a woman, and also he kisses a lot of men. So, is that just part but, of the disguise, or is he actually gay? But and that's what that's what I feel like. Even at the end, when everybody's kind of throwing up, the joke to me there isn't that everybody else is like Ace Ventura; they're homophobic. The joke to me there is: look at how many people made out with their lieutenant, like the entire police force and the dolphin. The, like the, that's the funny part about the it. The biggest plot hole that we haven't even discussed that no one discusses is how did she become like the chief of like whatever her like in 10 years like i'm not i'm not disparaging anybody who can go there but like yeah so like how long was ray finkel in the uh mental asylum for escapes and then somehow just becomes a cop so good that by within a short amount of time like make it like the 1974 nfc and those 20 years have passed but like you know she's risen to become this like whatever she is sergeant of police lieutenant and it's just like okay yeah good for her which i mean Yes, Finkel stole an identity, but he stole the identity of a hitchhiker. Yeah. A hitchhiker was not going to have already been in the police academy or anything else well, like that, you know? Could have been. Um, the, the, the whole mental institution scene is like, this is the sequence that like my mom would ask to watch over and over again. <laughs> Everything from like, you got to put me in, coach. And then the, let's see that in instant replay. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the, the best part, I think Half I remember time. my mom da, 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 da. <laughs> Which I mean, that when his head goes down, that's the real sound effect of Jim Carrey's face hitting that bench. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a dedicated man. Uh, I love Courtney Cox's line there too. It's like, he'll be okay like that for the next 15, 20 minutes (laughs) because it's an everyday thing. Uh, But the part that I remember my mom laughing the hardest at was when he's in the background, he's like diving over the bushes and you see him doing the touch and celebration. The fact that you got all these other, you know, uh, patients there. That's the other gift. Yeah. yeah, The other patients who are like, yeah, that was the, my mom would crack up at that so hard. Um, uh, and, and him trying to hide in the box too. <laughs> like, there's a million places you can hide. And he's like, I'm going to climb into this box, with my legs dangling out, have the whole thing burst open. Um, yeah, the the uh, the whole climax here. 
the the thing that I'm not gonna say it bothers me because again, this is a it, they intended this to be a cartoony movie, which is not the way it was originally pitched. This is how it came out. But the fact that like as all this is going on and the police are there and Lois is like, he did it. He kidnapped Dan Marino and he's about to kill him. All that happens right here is Dan Marino says, No, he didn't. It was you. But yeah. that never comes out of Dan Marino's mouth. I was mouth. thinking that too. I was thinking that too. Yeah, and not really a plot hole. It, 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 you can't make a comedy without it. Uh, the fight scenes are hilarious, like how over the top it is when he's got Lois in and he's giving her a noogie. You like that? Do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> like bashing her head against a steel post. Uh, the 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 part where he's got like the the what do you call it? the wooden pallet that gets cracked over his head and then it's like dangling off his arm when he stands up later on. Uh, his whole it's a repeat of the um the apartment scene where it's like, this is a real detective. This is him. This is Poirot giving his murder on the Orient Express. And then the killer did it, you know, whatever. Uh, this is the clue scene here. Uh, it, it, it failing on him this time too. And just Jim Carrey's reaction, like where he opens the shirt. He's like, oh, that kind of surging me done over a weekend. <laughs> and then he rips the skirt off and he's like, ah, well, <laughs> and he's like scrambling, like what's going on? What was the line he had there where he realizes there's no, there's no penis? I, I didn't write that one down. Sorry. Oh, oh uh, the, the wig was the other one I was thinking of. The surgery was the, the breast and then the wig. That's really on there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then even just when Dan Reed's like, Ace, come here. It's like, my esteemed colleague, Mr. Marino, like, <laughs> right back in professional detective mode. Uh, and Jamie points out, like, again, the silliest thing about this is that half of the police force is literally staring at her behind right yeah. now and not reacting until he spins her around. Yeah. Um, the uh, the fight scene, apparently the, that was a real thing that happened in the NFL, not like with the Eagles at the Super Bowl, but there were two mascots in the NFL that got into a fight on the sidelines. Mm. So that's how, what they decided. How are we going to have a final joke for this movie? Let's have it be that. Um, this whole subplot with the... I, I love that they just bring that back because the audience has forgotten about this pigeon or whatever, this priceless pigeon. But that was apparently a much bigger part of the plot where there were several scenes where Ace was doing this, especially earlier in the movie. So they, they end up with this last scene here where he's trying to get the pigeon and then fighting. I always remember, though, the um, talk about the TV edits because I had this on VHS, but then years since when it's on TV, you know, I'll watch it on TV. Where the pigeon says "blow me" to him, mm. the TV version would change that to "bite the me" as the they eagle. do the eagle. No, the no, eagle. Sorry, no, yeah, the, the pigeon. Blow me. But the, the the eagle saying that, I, I always remember how bad the 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 dub was in the TV edit. It's like, yeah, well, fight me. <laughs> it was like two <laughs> completely Falcons. Yeah, it was, it was like a line of Falcons. It was like Finkel and Einhorn. You know, <laughs> somebody had a sex change in this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I I love this. This entire movie is fantastic, and, and the funny thing is, I'll go years without watching this, and I still remember every single scene. And I still, I feel like I'm laughing as hard at this movie thirty years later as I laughed the first time when I saw it in theaters, and I was a child. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. And also, one thing I want to point out, we haven't talked about the theme. The dun 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 dun. Oh yeah. Dun, 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 yeah. It's one of these random like scores that I always forget about. I'm like, oh, I like the the theme for Ace Ventura because they use it in the second one as well. And again, I think oh, what was because I've seen the second one more than this one. I like, I just I know it from that more. There was a line too. I'm trying to remember because I didn't note it, but there was when you're talking about lines in this movie that you quote, you don't even remember it came from here. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll probably pinpoint it 
by next week. But there was a specific line. I'm like, oh, I got to remember that. And then I forgot before I could say Good it. Good job. It'll well come done. back to me. Because before we talk about plot keywords and everything in reception, just just can we touch on the sequel really quickly? You you like, yeah. I mean, again, I like when nature calls better than this. Again, I just, I feel I saw it first. And that also like was always available and this wasn't. So I'd always rent it. And I think even like my library, like back in the day when libraries didn't really let you rent videos or DVDs. They randomly would always have When Nature Calls. And also it was always on TV, at like school holiday movie at like midday. It was always like Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. They never put on Pet Detective. But so I just, I always had this fascination with uh, When Nature Calls for some reason. Um, and I, I don't know why. I remember the line now. It's it's the line when he's driving back and uh, Dan Marino's like, Ace, can I have some of that gum? And he says something like, no one will thank you to stay out of my personal affairs. <laughs> like I would always use that. It was just a random response. No one will thank you to stay out of my personal affairs. Um, but uh, like when nature calls it, it, I saw that opening weekend and I was very excited for it. Saw it with a different friend this time. And even at the time, I remember being like, ah, oh, that was okay. But the rhinoceros scene, which is probably the most famous scene in that movie. Kind of hot, this rhino. <laughs> that, if I'm going to pick one scene out of both Ace Ventura movies that is my favorite scene, it is that, hands down. There's just, I just find like there's so many more things in that, like the rhino scene, the, oh, you, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, we always do that. The guano, yummy. <laughs> I was like, shikaka, dun, 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 dun. So, all right, I've had it with this white devil stuff. Nobody messes with the dude. <laughs> like, uh, I just, maybe I just had a random thing for like mid 90s movies set in Africa. That and the air up yeah. there. Like, yeah. you know, I just... When are we doing the air up there? Come on. Well, 30th anniversary this year. Africa 30th anniversary. Bonus, bonus episode. I mean, we, we, <laughs> we missed the bed because obviously there's five freaking Thursdays in February. Hence why we're starting a week yeah. later. So we could have done the air up there. God oh, damn it. You. Didn't you say you were going to watch it recently or you did? I got on or? a watch list. Even like a week ago, I asked Jamie, she's like, what do you want to watch? I'm like, well, I got a couple things on here. The air up there. Have you ever seen it? But she said no to it. Oh, well, fuck you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> but we end up watching X-Men First Class instead, which had Kevin Bacon in it. Yeah, but not the right Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen X-Men First. <laughs> not the right Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I went to a Knicks game when I was in New York, being my, getting my inner Eddie out. Um, and they, they do like, when you go to a game at Madison Square Garden, they do like celebrity roast. So I think at that, there was like, um, one of the kids from Stranger. No, that was at the Rangers game. Actually, no, the, the two, cause, um, what's his face from, uh, flat, uh, Shazam. Uh, oh, uh, he's in Stranger the, Things, the, the, isn't the he? The guy? The guy with the, 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 cr the Oh, crutch. the kid. Yeah. 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 So he was at the Rangers game with Billy Magnuson. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going into tangent. I'm getting back to it. Yeah, I just want to point out. Very I was a little bit drunk at that Rangers game. So, and not many celebrities go to Rangers games or at Knicks games. So they show the kid from um, Stranger Things. I'm like, oh, he was in in Shazam. Cool. And when you go to a Knicks game, you can tell where the celebrities are because they're generally around the court, and you can see where the cameras. So you can go like, oh, cool. There's you know the other guy from the Vampire Diaries, not Ian Summerhold, or the other one was there and mm. whatever. But anyway, so you can see. Whereas at a Rangers game, because it's a hockey game, you can't really tell. So they show the kid from um, Stranger Things and, and Shazam, cool. And then they literally, because what they do is, I don't know if they do this at like a Jets game or any other hockey game you go to. Before they show the celebrity, they generally show like a scene from something they're from, right? So like mm -hmm. Tracy Jordan was at the Knicks game. So they show like a scene from 30 Rock and then they cut to him. So they're literally showing this scene. Tracy Morgan? To, to, to what? Tracy Morgan? 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 Yeah. yeah. What did Tracy I say? Jordan. Did I trace Jordan? <laughs> he was Jordan in the, in the... You know what I'm talking about. Thank you. I've never seen the show. <laughs> I'll say the rock. Great show. So anyway, they're showing this scene on the screen 
And again, I'm a little bit tipsy. It's not No Time to Die. It's something else that Billy Magnuson's from. And they show, and generally they, they show like a dialogue scene and they're showing like Billy Magnuson and another guy. And I'm going to like Jen. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God he's Billy Magnuson here. She's like, who? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, he's Billy Magnuson here. And then they cut and then it goes like, <laughs> Billy Magnuson, actor, like whatever show that was. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, and I get my phone out. I'm like, Billy Magnuson. <laughs> like, where is he? Where is he? I'm like, I want to stalk Billy Magnuson. But you can't tell where he's in the, in the arena. If it was at the Knicks game, I would have gone down. I would have found him. Yeah. I would have been like, your, your smile, like arrest me. I don't care. <laughs> I need to meet you. But so let's, I was in the same room as Billy Magnuson. Anyway, just pointing that out. Um, this movie, yes, When Nature Calls, my favourite, but still this movie is great. Uh, Reception-wise, um, I, I love how, like, basically this is one of those things where it's like the critics hated it, but uh, the fans loved it because mm-hmm. obviously adolescent males, clearly. Um, <laughs> the LA Times said at the time, not many critics have been charmed by Ace Ventura's exploits. And several have charged that the film's humour is mean-spirited, needlessly raunchy and homophobic. Again, written at the time. So, you know, people mm-hmm. were saying that back in the 90s. Um, but this is where a biography on Kerry said that the fans loved him and the critics hated him. And yeah, like this, I, I actually weirdly remember as a seven-year-old at the time, this movie not getting a lot of love from the critics. I don't know why I remember mm-hmm. as a seven-year-old. I don't even know what a movie review was as a seven-year-old. Um, but it's actually only got a 37 out of 100 on uh, Metacritic. That's a bit mean. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes 63. Uh, That's definitely gone up. I feel like there's a lot of modern reviews in there. Because, yeah, like you said, everybody hated, all critics hated this when it came out. Um, the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says Jim Carrey's twitchy antics and gross-out humor are full bombastic display in Essentura, which is great news for fans of this particular brand of comedy, but likely unsatisfying for anyone else. I mean, I, again, this... I can see, like, my dad, for example, if you don't like Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. you're going to hate this movie because it's it's very full-on Jim Carrey. But if you like Jim Carrey, you're going to love this movie. Uh, Roger Ebert said he found this movie long, unfunny slog through an impenetrable plot um, and said Carrey plays Ace as he's being clocked on an energy-o-meter and paid by the calories expended. He's a hyper goon who likes to screw his mouth into strange shapes while playing variations on the language. We, I mean, I... You and I are obviously way too young for things like the Three Stooges and, and like that type of like over-the-top physical comedy that was a thing at one point in history. But we hadn't really like... I, I was never a Pee Wee Herman guy. Like I think I was too young for Pee Wee Herman, so that was more of an 80s thing. But like that's kind of a bit like over-the-top physical comedy, yeah. right? Like it's it's more about the the physical nature I mean, than the, the dialogue. Robin Williams, Mork, that's what we talked about when this is out, Mork and Mindy. Like, this is a guy who just would go on set and just do these crazy things. And, Ro- and Robin Williams has always been admired. I mean, the guy's an Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Jim Carrey sort of sometimes always got, like, like lambasted for that, which I think was a bit mean. Um, but, yeah, it was obviously not... I mean, this got... Uh, we, we need to talk about the fact that we're doing three Jim Carrey movies from 1994. He was only second behind Tom Hanks as the highest box office star of that year. And again, this is a guy who was really only known for television, so this was a big, big deal. And you've said it, we've said it, that has anybody had a bigger year in movies ever than Jim Carrey yeah. in 1994? He got nominated for a Razzie for Worst <laughs> New Star for all three of those movies. Whoa. So, like, it wasn't just for this. His nomination encompassed this, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber, which in which hindsight, is weird come on. Because I, I was going to say, when we get to The Mask and Dumb and Dumber in the next two weeks, those movies got great reviews, like which... Probably is one of the reasons Jim Carrey took off as quickly as he did, because as much as critics hated Ace Ventura, the next two movies he had, they loved. And let's let's just see who he was nominated against that year. Shaquille O'Neal in Blue <laughs> Chips. Chris Isaac. I didn't realize Chris Isaac acted in Little Buddha. 
Chris Elliott in Cabin Boy, and the winner, Anna Nicole Smith in Naked Gun <laughs> 33 and a third, the final intel. Now, like, I, I, I know that the Razzies will kind of do a Razzie Redeemer Award when they do, like, you <laughs> know, like, uh, I think Adam Sandler got one, didn't John Travolta. Uh, people, they get a Razzie Redeemer. Yeah. Where's the Razzie Redeemer for Jim Carrey? I know he didn't win, and I don't think Jim Carrey's ever won a Razzie. But, like, come on. You can't nominate Jim Carrey for these three movies, which are now beloved. Like, maybe at the time, sure. But, it's- like... That that ages like the line in Goldfinger where Bond is mocking the Beatles, you yeah. know, like oh, you have to listen with earmuffs. He won Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award for favorite movie actor <laughs> for this movie and was nominated for MTV Movie Award for best comedic performance. Thank you very much. Um, box office wise, so this was the lowest of the three, if I'm not mistaken, that we're covering, right? Mm-hmm. But it still made seventy two million dollars domestically. Not bad for what a February movie. Not bad for. Yeah. A, a movie that, again, is starring a really unknown... Like Again, if you release this a year later and it's got Jim Carrey and Courtney Cox in it, completely different story, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like this is like just pre-before both of them kind of hit a new stratosphere. Made $35 million internationally, so $107 million, which, again, as we always know with movies sort of in a certain period, that uh, $100 million back then was kind of a rarity. So that's a, that's mm. a pretty big deal. I don't have, for some reason, on my thing here... Uh, the opening weekend. Do you have that on yours, or am I um, gonna pull it up? No, I found it. If you stall long enough, I found it. Never mind. That well, was good. whatever. I'm not needed here. So it came out the same weekend as My Father, the Hero. I'll do anything. Gunmen and Romeo is bleeding. Isn't that a Bon Jovi song? Romeo is bleeding, and I can see blood. Yeah. Um. So this opened up with twelve million dollars. Uh, but it was a bit of a sleeper hit because it kept sort of coming out week after week and making more money. Uh, My Girl 2, I believe, the week after came out. Good movie, My Girl 2. Underrated. Do you like the My Girl franchise, Colin? When are we doing the My Girl franchise? I, I remember liking them as a kid. I probably haven't seen them since then. I had the biggest crush on, what was her name, Anna Chum? Colleen Culkin. Um, <laughs> no, the the kid in the second one who was in Last Action Hero. Um, no, Anna Chum, Chumsky, whatever her name was. I liked her. Uh, if she you, made like a comeback recently. She did. She was in, I think, Veep. I think, was it Veep she was in? It was something I just saw out of nowhere. Though. Yeah. I was like, wait, is she still a thing? She still looks good too. So she's she's aged very well. Um, if you were to go to the week, if you're going to the movies that weekend, Colin, you could see Ace Ventura, which was just above Mrs. Doubtfire in its 11th week. Philadelphia, so forget the last and go watch some AIDS. Uh, that's in its seventh <laughs> week. Schindler's, I mean, God, it's, you're either laughing or oh, crying at the movies. <laughs> you're seeing Ace Ventura and Mrs. Doubtfire or Schindler's List or Philadelphia. <laughs> um, grumpy Old Men. Oh, I love Grumpy Old Men. Just rewatch that. Great movie. Uh, the Pelican Brief, Tombstone, Beethoven's Second, Jurassic Park in its 35th week. Um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, The Fugitive in week 27. Great, great time to go to the movies there. Um... Let's do the user reviews. I guess we do one-star reviews because we're quite partial yeah. to this. Um, this is a short one. Outstandingly dumb film by Germ, <laughs> 1977. It boggles my mind that Jim Carrey is one of the highest paid actors out there. The movie and the one he appeared in following it, you don't even know what one it is. Good job, Germ, 1977. Are unbelievably awful. I'm a huge fan of movies that have a lot of absurd humor, i.e. The Naked Gun, Airplane. But this movie has none of the qualities of the aforementioned films. These films utilize a slapstick absurdist humor, as opposed to Carrie's running gag of distorted faces and talking out of his ass. Even if you liked Jim Carrey's brand of humor, wouldn't it get old after 30 minutes or so? The one is a real dud in my opinion. I give it no stars. Well, you actually gave it one, you dickhead. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, Cannibal Corpse is the best thing about this film. 
I read that one. I love this one. Basically, this is why I don't like Jim Carrey. <laughs> okay. Um, transphobic garbage made me sick. Transphobic plot twist. I don't like Jim Carrey in this picture. Uh, <laughs> what? Anyway. Uh, I love, it, this one. This one's very confusing. That Which Counts wrote, wish I'd walked out, and then proceeds to say, it's the only movie in 50 years that I've ever just walked out. Oh, just about walked out of. Okay. Life's too short for garbage like this. This is a really short one. Ryan Nassar wrote, it's so bad we are taunting our friend for recommending it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor friend of Ryan Nassar. He's getting mocked for it. Um, plot keywords. The number one is nudity. I'm all down for that. Owner dog relationship. Immature adult. Let's do immature adult month. What have we got there? I Carly. Ace Ventura Pet Detective, Straw Dogs, and Jackass Forever. Eh. Mangina Month. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, Step Brothers, Ace Ventura Pet Detective, The Danish Girl. Oh, Mangina Month. Uh, <laughs> ejaculation Month, Sex in Bed Month, Immature Behavior, Reference to Banaka Month. Sure. <laughs> what is Banaka anyway? That's just a breath spray. Oh, okay. So we can do Hasten for a Pet Detective <laughs> and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air episode, Get a Job. That's it. Um, it's okay. Uh, what else have we got? What's the lowest one on this list is title spoken by Cat. Talking through one's buttocks month. Oh. There we go. Ace Ventura Pet Detective, Ace Ventura When Nature Calls, Naked Lunch, and South Park. How to eat with your butt. That's the Ben Affleck episode when like Cartman puts like the bum in Kenny's thing and they, oh, that's a hilarious episode. I love that. Naked lunch though, 1991. Anyway, um, yeah, there's nothing more else really on there. Uh, it's a buy from me, Colin. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Yeah, I think, look, I have not seen Man on the Moon, so I'm going to assume I'm going to like it because it's Jim Carrey, but I'm going to assume we're going to buy everything this month. The hardest mm. thing for me is going to be rating these because honestly, if I'm thinking this right now, this is going to be behind the next two we do. Um, and I love this movie. And I hate it when we do a month where it's like you love a movie, but it might end up at third or fourth on this list. Again, I've not seen Man on the Moon, so I can't tell you whether I love it or hate it. So, yeah, I, I'm telling you now, Dumb and Dumber and The Mask are going to be rating higher than this. I mean, Dumb and Dumber made my top 50 movies of all time. The Mask should have. I don't know why it didn't. So, um, yeah, but I'm going to guess it's, I mean, I'm going to assume you're going to probably put this ahead of The Mask, but I don't really know your true well, thoughts on Dumb and Dumber. It's funny because after I finished this movie, I thought to myself, I'm like, how am I going to rank this? Because I think The Mask is a better movie, but this movie I think is way funnier. And I feel like Jim Carrey oh. is more on his game in this one. It's, it's all going to come down to w what criteria I decide to use. But uh, this entire month could be hard because I mean, I absolutely love Man of the Moon. Man of the Moon is going to be the really tricky one because like, it is definitely a comedy but it has a lot more drama in it than these other movies do. But it'll be number one. Ace Ventura is number one right now for me. Oh, shockingly, me too. Oh. Uh, just saying. Um, next week, The Mask, uh, we talked about it again. I don't know why I didn't make my top 50. I really don't because I fucking love The Mask. It's the only one of these ones I saw at the movies. Um, again, tell that story next week. But I like this was one of the first movies I ever it was. I think it was this in Jurassic Park where it was – it used to be a big deal when a movie would be on TV, right? Like nowadays I, I don't watch TV really to know how long, but I think movies are kind of on TV within a couple of months. Like this used to be like a, 
was it like almost like a three-year gap? I think they used to have back yeah. in the day. Like it was a long period of time because it would have to go through like something like HBO first. So yeah, it would usually be two to three years. Yeah. So like I always remember it being like a big deal when a movie made TV, and it was kind of dumb, right? Because like if you love the movie enough, you had it on VHS. You rented it. Like you, it's not like you didn't own this movie. But mm-hmm. but in the nineties, I would remember like I didn't own a lot of movies. It was down to. I would tape them off TV, the original illegal downloading. And mm-hmm. I never forget the mask being on TV and being so excited that I think I got mum and dad on my pocket money. I'm going to buy a blank VHS from Chicken Feed and I'm going to like watch it. And like, this is one of those movies that I just ran the tape out because I would watch it so much. I, I love the mask. Like it just, it's one of those random movies that I just absolutely, I could, I could not watch this for 10 years and I probably haven't watched the mask in 10 years, um, but I know it so well. It's just going to all come back to me. And I'm not not a fan of Cameron Diaz. I like Cameron Diaz. This is obviously a first movie, and I think most people say this. The only movie I've ever really found Cameron Diaz attractive in, and this isn't about attractiveness, <laughs> but like it's just if some rate like I'm like Cameron Diaz is hot in this film, and then everything else after that, I'm like, yeah, she's fine. You know, it's, it's funny because I'm I've kind of already said I, you know, this is the one I watched the least, and I still loved it, and I still watched it all the time, just not the level of the others, but. One of the main things I'm like, I'm curious if Ben is kind of on board with this too. I, I'm sort of the opposite opinion with Cameron Diaz. And I don't think I always would have been, but I don't know. In, in recent years, I'm like, you know, Cameron Diaz, maybe it's just that everybody in society has been so programmed. We want to talk about how the Jim Carrey lines caught on. It almost feels like that became part of pop culture to just say Cameron Diaz was never as hot as she was in the mask. Hmm. That, that Now I'm sort of rejecting that. I'm like, are people just being mean? Like, look no. at her in this movie. Look at her in this movie. I mean, she, but, uh... She's not. She's not an unattractive woman. She's a beautiful woman. But like, it's just you know, like like Jessica Alba. I've never gotten the thing behind Jessica Alba. I'm not discounting that Jessica Alba is a very attractive woman. But like, personal taste preferences, she's not for me. Because I'd have a shot clearly. But like, it's it's similar with Cameron. Cameron Diaz has always been a very beautiful hot woman. But like to me, it was like yeah. Outside of the mask, not really for me. So, you know, but I still like Cameron Diaz. I've always been a fan of Cameron Diaz. Why are we doing this right I, now? Uh, I don't know. I, I was I was going to say, I, I, I was watching the, the Jason Satham mechanic movies uh, last night and this morning. And I told Jamie, I'm like, oh, yeah, the first mechanic movie is really good. Second mechanic movie is the one where he co-starred with Jessica Alba in a bikini. And that's basically <laughs> all I can remember of the movie. So um, anyways, Jim Carrey is. He's attractive from, in the from movie watching, he is, yes. But but from watching the first 40 minutes of it now, re-watching it, I have so much appreciation for how restrained he is as Stanley Ipkiss mm. because no audience had seen that before from him. And I remember even kind of be caught off as a kid wondering in the beginning of the movie, is this movie funny? Like, I'm not laughing. This is an Ace Ventura. But it was done so intentionally. Like, if you really want to see, it's not like he was ever going to win an Oscar for The Mask. If you really want to see where Jim Carrey as a great actor started, it was The Mask. It's it's funny you say that. I think it was Nerdstalgic again, great channel. Um, like they did a piece recently on Liar Liar and they basically sold and I'd never really thought about it before. They were like, Liar Liar was the first movie that Jim Carrey kind of did where people were like, he can act. Because like mm-hmm. there's some deep stuff in Liar Liar if you remember Liar yeah. Liar, even though it's kind of, you know, not as absurd as to say The Mask. But it's a good point. Like I, I could be sold on him getting some noms for the, the and to kind of say it right now, Cuban Pete, one of the best songs ever in movies. That <laughs> I used to listen to that song oh. to death. Like him singing that and also uh, somebody to love in the cable guy, just two random songs that I just fucking loved as a kid. And and how about the fact that the mask brought swing music back several yeah. years before Brendan Fraser did 
or before you know all the other big swing boom of the late nineties. This is the movie that started it. And we, I mean, this is the thing we're doing. Like this movie, we're talking about this being a cartoon. The mask is literally a cartoon, but like yeah. that's what's so <laughs> great about it, just the slapstick nature of it. Just the, the oh, I can't wait to do the mask. You're hosting it, but oh, it's gonna be so good. So that'll be next week. Is Scott Pilgrim still happening or? Uh, yeah. So I mean, we're airing this the same week, so we've got two episodes left in the series recap. There you go. Exciting. And 24 is happening as well. And uh, Oscars are coming soon. We've got to work a plan for that because I haven't seen any of them yet. And we should really... I'll work that out on the weekend and we can talk about that after. On-air production meeting. Fantastic. Uh, Like, subscribe, do all the regular things. And do shit because we told you to. My name is Ben and take care now. Bye-bye then. And my name is Colin, and if I'm not back next week, just wait longer. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.